Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Monday morning. Back, baby. Took some time off. Took a little family time. Got out of town for the first time in more than a year. It was awesome. Drove to Portland and back. Gotta say I love Portland. Love Portland. I get... There's so many good places to eat in Portland. It's pretty. River, trees, the whole bit. Love Portland. So I had a few days there, and now I am back. But I was never far away from the local sports scene. When you got your phone, you're never far that far away. And uh, I'm intrigued. I, I missed the best week of jazz basketball to miss. Uh, if you're a fan and you just want to see them win, that was a great week because they played a bunch of teams they are supposed to win. And uh, they did win those games they were supposed to win. Supposed to beat those teams, they beat them. I think the uh, the nine-game winning streak is good because there's always a chance in the NBA you're going to have a bobble. And I think for the Jazz, a couple things. One, um, having to play Memphis that that close three times together. Uh, Memphis is young. They don't quite have it together yet. Missing a couple pieces. Don't know how to win. But they have some talent. And if you play them three times that close together, to go two and one would kind of be normal. And certainly the third game, with all the drama with the birds and the airplane and the having to land and the looking out the window and the engine is on fire, I haven't had to do that. I hope I never have to do that. I would want no part of looking out the window and seeing the engine on fire and the plane listing. No thanks. I'm out. Don't need that. Sorry, those guys had to go through it. Really glad I've never had to go through it. Having said that, uh, the Jazz largely have just taken care of business and done what they're supposed to do. Winning that game in Memphis after all that drama without Donovan Mitchell and beat him for the third time in a week, that win stands out. Nothing else in that streak does. You know, Brooklyn should have stood out, but then we found out, you know, they were sitting Harden and Durant's out and, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay, fine. Kyrie Irving wasn't on the trip. And then none of their big three. So the Jazz blew that game open. So there really isn't much to hang your hat on. This week, oh boy, it gets interesting this week. The Jazz are playing the Mavericks tonight, who I think are better than record. They're trending up. I mean, you are what your record says you are. But I think in the case of the Mavericks, um, you know, they were 9-14 and 14 in early February. Um February 4th, they lost to the Warriors by 31. The Warriors, who aren't that good, by 31. And they've turned it around since then. They have gone, they were 9 and 14, and they have gone 18 and 7 in 25 games since then. <clears throat> they come in on a four game winning streak. And when you look what they've done against the best in the West, they had a stretch where they played five straight games in March against Western playoff teams. They beat Denver. They split two games at home with the Clippers, and then they split two games with the Blazers in Portland. So, you know, they've been playing pretty good basketball. You know, 18 and 7 is nothing, nothing to sneeze at. That's, um, you know, over the course of a full season, what would that put you at? That'd put you in the high 50s. You know, that's probably like a 58 win pace, something like that. Um, so that's good basketball over 25 games. I think this is a real test. Wednesday's the glamour game. They're playing Phoenix. These two teams have the best record. Uh, best records, in, not just in the West. They're running 1-2 in the West as they have for a while. They've now got the two best records in the NBA. Philly and Brooklyn have had their slip-ups. So not only do the Jazz have the best record, but the Suns have the second best record. So that's a big game. And then the Jazz backed that up with Portland 
going back-to-back playing the Blazers on Thursday. So three games in the next four nights, all against Western playoff teams, seventh place Dallas, second place Phoenix, sixth place Portland. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. And Portland's got a lot to play for. The Lakers are sinking, and Portland uh, has got a chance here to go from six to five real quick. So... <clears throat> we'll see how the uh, see how long the Lakers are shorthanded and how far they're going to fall. But for Portland, the opportunity is there to just keep moving up, you know, just keep climbing in the uh, in the Western Conference. And uh, you know they're playing they're playing six hundred ball themselves. They're they're in pretty good shape right now. Um, they're just a half game behind the Lakers and only one game behind fourth place Denver. So two games behind third place Clippers. There's a there's a real log jam there from three to six. So big week, big week for the Jazz, and I'll be really interested to see what they do. It's not the playoffs, but I think as a stretch in the regular season goes, it's a pretty good look. This is probably the best look uh, you know we're going to get when you look at their schedule going forward. There's a lot of lottery teams. You know, we we heard the Jazz had the softest schedule in the second half of the season, and we just saw a soft stretch. And we got th- these three games this week are good, and then it's uh, right back into a soft stretch again. And if if LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis can't go when the Jazz play those two Laker games. It's like four games the Jazz ought to win, the two Laker games, another four or five games the Jazz ought to win. Well, if LeBron doesn't go and if AD doesn't go, then you're just looking like a stretch of 11 games. So I think we need to focus on these these next three. Now, for some of you, it's going to be hard to focus on the Jazz and the Mavericks tonight because the NCAA championship game is going to be going on. Got a question up on Facebook. Uh, You hit us up on Facebook. How do you not root for Gonzaga? Now, the obvious answer is, well, you're going to root for Baylor because you got some tie to Baylor. I know Royce O'Neal went to Baylor. Dennis Lindsay, he's a Baylor guy. Um, so, okay, set that aside. We all get that people went to Baylor are going to root for Baylor. But most of us listening to this show didn't go to Gonzaga and didn't go to Baylor. <laughs> so, so for us, save your smart-ass responses. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Some of you crack me up. Just the just the dry <laughs> man. Anyway. Um uh, just Gonzaga's a great story. Now, UCLA nearly got him. I think UCLA is a great story too. It's hard to think of UCLA as a Cinderella and an underdog, but they were in the first four. They did lose four games in a row going in. Now we know that they lost those four games to Sweet 16 and Elite Eight teams. So that puts a different spin on it. That was a little better basketball than we thought. Um, but you got to admire UCLA. That is the best game anyone's played against Gonzaga all year long. You know, they'd only had one team stay within double digits, and you get them to overtime? Wow, impressive. They hit so many difficult shots in that game. i got to say they really struggled to defend Gonzaga. Gonzaga was getting layups, layups dunks, and wide-open three-pointers. They, for a college team, shoot the ball um, with the shot distribution, more like an NBA team. Still not there because it's college kids. They just don't shoot enough threes. Um, but they get so many good shots, whether it's open threes, feet set, you know, catch the ball in rhythm, or all the layups and dunks. And i got to say, there were a lot of cool things that happened in that Final Four game, and, and we'll get to them coming up here this morning. Um, obviously, Suggs with a massive block. And a fantastic pass in transition with two minutes to go. That one-handed bounce pass, that was something. That was something. And obviously a game-winning shot. But i got to say, Kispert, you know you know he can shoot it. And the guy is a terror on the three-point line. He is such a good sh- three-point shooter. Um, 
but I thought the way he went to the rim and got a dunk in that game, the offensive uh, rebound and putback he got late in that game, those are some gritty plays. You know, there are a lot of guys who just want to stand on the, shoot, on the three-point line and shoot it. And if you do that as well as Kipper, Kispert does it, it shouldn't be demeaned, right, because it's a real weapon. But to see him mix in these other plays, really impressive. Really impressive. So, all right, got to take a break. When we come back, Ute football with Kyle Whittingham. They got a couple big weeks here for spring football and then best of the jazz post game show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A little spring football for you Ute fans now. Kyle Whittingham speaking with the media. Listen up. I feel like we've made a lot of progress. Um, still got a lot of work to do. Obviously, it's always a, you know, you're never where you want to be. You're always looking to uh, improve on things. And we certainly have a, a laundry list of, of uh, what we need to improve on. But uh, I would say we're in a really good spot for uh, where we're at. Uh, 60% finish now with, uh, with these last six practices. So uh, that's where we're at. So uh, go ahead and ask questions. There's... Probably a 67% chance you'll get a real real answer. And I think it was Meatloaf that said two out of three ain't bad. So so that's where we're at. So go ahead. We'll start off with Trevor Allen, KSLSports.com, followed by Josh Newman and Cole Bagley. Kyle, how did you divvy up the uh, quarterback reps as well as the running back reps? Okay, uh, Charlie Brewer got the vast majority of the reps and that's been the case all spring and that'll be the case during these last six practices uh the other reps were divided almost equally between the other four uh jaquin and jackson and uh, p castelli get a little bit more than the other two but uh that's uh, pretty much the the uh dose that's been going on and the and the uh the way things have been spread out uh, repetition wise throughout the spring and again uh, don't see that changing in these uh, last six practices. Running backs, top three continue to be Makai Bernard uh, as the number one guy right now. Uh, TJ Pledger, Chris Curry battling for that uh, number two spot, two and three. Uh, they're jockeying for position one day. Uh, one of them will have a better practice than the other, and then vice versa. Uh, Charlie Vincent's doing some good things as, as a possible number four. Um, we also have... Uh, Vakapuna in the backfield that's doing a, a good thing, a good, some good things. Elvis Vakapuna. Um, who else do we have? Uh, Faisal Aiden is also taking reps. So those are the six guys that are getting the reps, but the top three are getting probably 75% of the reps uh, overall. And, of course, we had Ricky Parks this, uh, this summer to uh, round out that position group. So I think that was the entire question. Hopefully I answered that. We'll go next to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Cole Bagley, Dale, the Utah Chronicle. Kyle, I know that you're just getting off the field, but um, in the immediacy, is there any individual or position group that maybe you were um, pleasantly surprised with that you weren't expecting something so good from today? Uh, I don't know if, if anybody fits that category that we were surprised that we didn't feel would perform as well as they did. I can tell you that both offense and defensive lines performed exceptionally well. And that's, you know, it's kind of hard to say, you know, how could one 
you know, how, how can they both be really good? But they were both really good. They're physical. We're physical on both sides of the ball. And uh, a lot of cohesiveness on that offensive line. Uh, a lot of veterans returning and the same on the D-line. So that, that's going to be a strong suit for us. It's the line of scrimmage. And that's always a good place to start. That's a great place to start. Uh, Charlie Brewer, Brewer was sharp. And uh, you expect that. So that wasn't a surprise. Uh, Nephi Sewell made a bunch of plays. Um, which is no surprise, he made a bunch of plays last year for us. Uh, probably Cole Bishop. Cole Bishop uh, is a guy that uh, is brand new to the program, and he's really a lot like uh, Nate Ritchie was for us last year. Nate came in and made a splash early and played and started the majority of the season, and, and Cole could be in that same situation. We'll see. But, uh, you know, he's got to fight for it. But, you know, for a kid that's only been on campus for a couple months, he's doing a really nice job. Just to follow that up, um, were there any older guys, some veteran guys that you know what they are that maybe didn't get so many reps that <laughs> today? Not really. Today, uh, Mika Tafua, uh, Devin Lloyd, uh, Max Depaye, uh, you know, all those guys took a bunch of reps. Covey, uh, there was really no holding, not holding anybody back today. They might have had a few reps uh, less than some other guys, but today was a work day for everybody. Uh, I would envision most likely next week uh, more of the same. And then the spring game, you might see a little bit more guys uh, limited action or no action. So that's, uh, that's the plan going forward. Cole Bagley, Daily Utah Chronicle, followed by Patrick Kinahan. <clears throat> yeah, Coach, I'm hoping this falls under that 66%. You never um, know. You never know. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you um, – What's what's been the difference uh, between Bernard and then the other two backs, Pledger and Curry? What what's setting him apart as number one? I would say first of all is familiarity with the scheme. He's he's uh, been an Andy scheme going on three years now. He's got a great command of it, makes very few mistakes. So the learning curve for him was non-existent this spring. Was just go out and, and perform. Whereas the other two uh, are learning the offense and they're doing a very nice job of that. But there's still a little bit of a learning curve, and when you're still learning. At times, there's a little bit of hesitation, uh, uncertainty, and that affects performance. And so I think the biggest uh, thing that Makai has going for him uh, is the, is the uh, knowledge of the scheme. But that being said, he's tremendous physically. I mean, he's, he's got it all. He's, he's fast. He's uh, probably a 4'4 kid, uh, 200 pounds, great hands out of the backfield, uh, tough, and really smooth. You know, you just didn't see a lot of him last year because of, you know, for obvious reasons with Ty. But, but uh, he has really made a big jump from last spring to this spring, and uh, now it's his time to shine. Well, just to, to follow that up quickly, is there anything specifically that has really stood out to you as far as improvements from last season? With Makai? Yeah. Uh, just doing everything better. First of all, he's about 10 pounds heavier, which has really helped him. Uh, it's tough to play running back in the Pac-12 uh, at 190, 188 pounds, which is what he was last year, so he's gotten bigger and stronger. Uh, he seems to have really had the light switch come on and uh, is just cutting loose and, and uh, not playing, I don't want to say uh, careful, but he's, he's just letting it all hang out and letting it rip and, and uh, making plays and, and uh, has been really, uh, I don't want to say a pleasant surprise, but he's, he's reacting and performing how we hoped he would. We'll go to Patrick Kinnahan, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone, followed by Steve Bartley in zone. When, when Rising comes back in training camp, what percentage of the snaps do you think he will get once we get to August? Bad Moon will get a rep split with uh, Charlie Brewer, and uh, they're going to have equal footing. 
uh, you know, Cam did a great job for us last year, all through camp, through spring, before that, and through camp, before he got injured. And uh, he's right on schedule, uh, throwing the ball right now. Uh, not very far, but he's throwing a football. And he will get – we envision uh, right now a, a two-man race. It could change if, uh, you know, if J.J. keeps performing and getting better or Peter. But uh, it's going to – you know, if it's not just those two right out of the gate, It'll be just those two very shortly once we decide who the number three guy is, if we haven't already done that. We'll go next to Steve Bartle from Zone. Coach, I'm, I'm curious if, if you're seeing the progress out of the receiver room that you, you would have hoped to see with Chad Bumpfist now uh, coaching those guys. They're all progressing. They're, they're doing a nice job. We're uh, limited there with scholarship players, uh, healthy scholarship players. There's, there's only, uh, you know, there's, we're way under budget and, and where we should be with that. Uh, got some guys hurt, um, Tyrone Smith, uh, Connor O'Toole. Um, uh, there's one or two others I can't think of the top of my head. But, but uh, you know, between Solo and Covey, Devon Vele is having a very nice spring. I should mention him and that question about who surprised you and who's doing very well Devon Bailey has has really uh, started to emerge and so uh, I think uh, you know we're going to be okay in that position when all is said and done right now we're not we need more depth we need uh, more playmakers but uh, I'm confident that we will get to where we need to be and Chad will get us there uh, by you know whenever we line up September 2nd or whatever it is for our last two we'll go back to Trevor Allen and Josh Newman Kyle, you mentioned that uh, Charlie Brewer had a really good scrimmage today. Does that mean that maybe the secondary struggled, or or how, how was that battle? The secondary is, is doing a nice job. Those guys are all still extremely young, inexperienced, but nobody cares. they got to step up just like they did last season. And they're, you know, that, those five games, not only the five games last season, but that entire fall practice, you know, we were practicing without playing seemingly forever. And all those, all those accrued practices – really helped that group. And then, of course, the five games was, was big for them. And so between Clark Phillips, JT Broughton, uh, Fabian Marks, uh, who am I missing? Uh, we moved uh, Zamaya Vaughn to corner. That just happened this spring, and he's doing a nice job. So we, we think we're going to be okay there because, you know, we, have some, we had some game-tested uh, situations last year. You know, they all got tested last year, and they, even though it was an abbreviated season. And uh, right now, they're just all continuing to get better. And Sharif Shah is doing a great job with that group. Uh, fantastic coach. Our final question will come from Josh Newman. Kyle, when you say that you went um, 130 reps, was that the plan going in, or does that number represent more or less than what you intended? That's about what we expected, what I expected anyways. It was uh, a situation where every single guy that's been practicing and is healthy got an opportunity and got a chance to have reps. Now, obviously, some a lot more than others, but we wanted to make sure that everybody got the opportunity to show what they could do. And uh, that was, you know, we knew we'd be somewhere in the 115 to 130 range, ended up on the high end of that range. And again, when you get factoring in all the special teams, it's probably more like 170 reps. But but uh, we had a lot of guys out. We got 120 guys uh, that are practicing, or just about 120, it's about 118, and we got another dozen that are, that are injured. But, but uh, we have never had this many... Uh, people on the roster and people practicing in the spring ball. Typically it's 80 or 90 guys, but with the COVID that backlogged everything, uh, these scrimmages are going to be longer because of just that. In fact, the spring game, we, we've used a format for several years now for the spring game. We're going to have to extend that a little bit to uh, create more rep opportunities for, uh, for all these guys.
Just to follow that up, I'm just curious. When you go into a scrimmage situation uh, wanting to get X number of reps, you get out there, are you comfortable extending that number or lowering that number depending on what's happening? Sure. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, that's my job as a head coach. If I get a sense that we're going too long or we haven't had enough work, we can modify. But uh, I keep track. I got a guy up in the box that uh, after every series, tell me exactly where we are rep-wise, which offense has had how many reps, which defense, and so forth. And so it's not just a, you know, it's calculated. But that being said, if we're getting banged up or guys appear exceptionally tired, uh, then we can go ahead and uh, make adjustments. But uh, today there's really no adjustments needed to be made. We just had a great scrimmage. And, and like I said, knock on wood, we think we came out very healthy, which, uh, which is a big plus. There is Kyle Whittingham with the media. The Jazz on their ninth straight win and an impressive three-point shooting performance. That's next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We've got the Jazz and the Dallas Mavericks tonight. But before we get to that game, time to look back at an outstanding three-point shooting performance and a dominant blowout win over what's left of the Orlando Magic. Here's the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz smashed the Magic on Saturday night, 137-91. to uh, They made an NBA... Uh, well, I guess uh, first in NBA history, 18 three-pointers in a half. They did that in the first half against Orlando and uh, basically sat everybody in the second half and still ran away with this one, 137-91. They were led by Donovan Mitchell, 22 points in 21 minutes, 8 of 11 shooting, 6 of 7 from 3 and hitting them from deep to 4 assists for Donovan, 2 rebounds. Uh, Bogdanovich had 17 points. Joe Ingles had 17 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. Joe was 5 of 7 from 3. Jo- Jordan Clarkson with 15 coming off the bench. And now about 9 assists for Jordan Clarkson. Uh, a high in a Jazz uniform for him. Uh, but uh, amazing night for the Jazz. They win big. Let's get some postgame sound for you. Let's start with uh, Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. We'll get started here. First question will be Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. And obviously uh, things went pretty well for you guys tonight, but given that Orlando was kind of shorthanded to begin with, what are you able to take away from a game like this? Well, yeah, what you said, you just echo, you know, I I thought um, our guys played the right way. We had one of those nights shooting the ball and, you know, the one thing, you know, Cliff is always his teams play hard. And, you know, they execute, they defend, um, as you said, you know, they're down players and on the, you know, have just had a big trade where they're, you know, they changed some pieces, um, some players on their team and they, they've been, you know, they've been competitive and just, you know, this is one of those nights for us where, um, we played really well and we played the right way and, you know, we played a team that, as I said, is going through through a transition. And, uh, you know, we were – that said, we were, we were happy with 
the way that the way that we played and that's that's what we want to you know keep doing just play the right way and continue to you know to emphasize our identity as a team next up chris and kenny jazz tv okay coach joe talks to me about that in particular a little bit just about you know echoing the sentiments of getting better and we did that tonight in what ways did you see that you guys got better tonight well you know there there's there's a lot of strengths on our team and um there's things that people will do you know like like any team um you know to to game plan for you and and talking about you know being alert and working on those things um something like taking care of the basketball uh, which is which is a really important thing for us and in defensive rebounding which is another one I think at halftime you know we did those two things really well and then to continue you know to to take our shots and usually that for us involves you know getting down the floor running you know and, and spacing um, and making the right play making quick decisions so I think that's you know that's the way we played tonight Sarah Todd does right news when you got a lot more opportunity to see some of your young guys play tonight uh, through the third and all of the fourth, uh, what stood out to you the most from uh, who was on the floor? Well, I think, you know, the, the thing about the group that, you know, that finished the game is that they did, you know, they played the same way. You know, there was a stretch where we gave up some offensive rebounds, um, you know, but the same thing, guys shared the ball and um, tried to do the things that, that we talk about doing and, you know, compete during that stretch. And that's what they did. Ben Anderson, KSL Sports Talk. Quinn, at what point do you feel comfortable kind of calling off the dogs and, and saying, you know, you're going to go to the, the, the second unit so early in the second half? I guess third unit. Well, you know, we had, we had played well and, and, you know, everybody as a coach has been in those situations. Um, you know, and as I said, we've, we, we trust some of the guys that, you know, that we put in the game. Um, JC in particular, I think had nine assists tonight. And, you know, as you said, it's an opportunity for some other guys to play. And when they play the right way like that, you know, it, it it's good for them to, to have that opportunity to play because it, it doesn't happen, um, you know, all the time. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn Donovan's been taking that three-point shot from kind of everywhere on the court in all sorts of different situations. How have you seen that develop over the course of the season? And then, you know, kind of how green is his light? When do you want him to shoot the, those threes off the dribble? Really, it just depends on and how they're defending him. You know, a lot of times that shot off the dribble is a result of, you know, something with pick and roll coverage. And I think more and more, you know, as a catch and shoot, um, you can see his, his range. He's, he's had that range. I think he's more aware um, that those shots are available. Um, and, you know, it really involves him kind of spacing when he, when he does get off the ball. Uh, there's other guys that will find him. And those shots, you know, those are really high percentage shots. So whether he's making a read and taking a pull up, um, you know, or, or some of the times he's got the ball late clock, you know, his step back um, that he's worked on. But some of those other shots that we're talking about, whether it's a pull up the rim, off the dribble, catch and shoot, you know, I, I think he's, 
getting more and more comfortable, you know, taking, you know, what, what could be a good shot into, into a great shot. And that's what we've talked about, you know, just regarding his efficiency and, you know, every game is going to be a little different and, you know, through the course of the game, you know, coverages can change, different opportunities can present themselves, um, you know, where other guys on the floor and, you know, he's, he's an unselfish player and, you know, he's, he, he can score the ball, but I know he takes a lot of pride and, as I said, playing the right way and finding his teammates. There you go. That's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. His team uh, coming off a, a big win over the Orlando Magic. Big meaning margin-wise, 137-91. to 91. Let's go to the players. Let's start things off with Trent Forrest. How about Trent? Gets in 20 minutes in this one, 8 points, 6 assists, and a rebound. Played really hard and had this to say after the game. What was it like to just get out there and have a little bit of extra run tonight? Um, it felt great. I mean, I've been working with the assistant coaches and I mean, just from what they've been helping me with, it made it easy. Um, I mean, I watch a lot of our guys. I, I watched the game. I know what we were supposed to do. So, I mean, it, it was fun just getting out there. Next up, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Trent. So Donovan said you're one of the guys that he's been coaching and giving pointers to. Number one, how is he as a teacher? Number two, what's the best thing that he's told you? <laughs> um, it, it's great learning from Don, actually. Um, just coming from where I come from, just in general, back home to now, like it's just crazy being able to learn from guys that are basically best players in the league. I mean, I can learn from Don, Mike, Joe, all those guys. But, I mean, he always just tells me to stay aggressive, um, just keep playing with my pace, and that he likes a lot of my finishes. Next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. This kid is a stud. <laughs> stud. Well, I guess first off, what does it mean to you to uh, to have Donovan Mitchell come on and, and tell us that bit of information? No, nah, it means a lot. It means a lot. Um, I mean, I tell him and Mike all the time that I watch those guys. And I mean, anytime I have questions or anything, I mean, they always are willing to help me. So I try to get as much as I can from everybody on our team. So what do you feel like you most uh, still need to work on at this point? Um, just becoming a more consistent shooter. Um, and I feel like that's just going to come. It, it's been something that I've been working on. And I think, honestly, my first shot, I think today was a three. So, I mean, it, it's coming and just got to continue to work at it. Matt Coles, AP. Coach emphasized playing the right way. What does that mean to you? Um, Just – Playing the jazz way, um, shooting threes, getting guys the ball where they need it, getting to the rim. Um, that's what we want to do, and that's what our coaches emphasize. So for me, I mean, that makes my job a lot easier when you have guys that shoot the ball so well, and then you have bigs that set good screens. So it really just opens the floor for me to make the right reads. There, that's Trent Forrest and uh, guest appearance by Donovan Mitchell. Uh, talking up Trent again. Trent played 20 minutes at eight points and six assists. Speaking of Donovan Mitchell, let's hear from him now. Hey, Don, I'm sure others are going to ask about the three-point barrage, but this is really a rare night where you guys can get loose and cheer on the entire team. All 13 scored. How important is a night like this for them? Oh, I think the biggest thing is for them to just get their confidence, get their rhythm. You know, watching, you know, me, I get out there, Ersan hit some shots, Matt, um, Jarrell, Trent, JB, like everybody, I think is it's it's just great to see that the game flowing, everybody kind of doing their thing. And, you know, that just shows the the chemistry we have as a group. 
Um, they went out there and executed, you know, so many different things. We're talking through game plans and just for them to get continue to get that experience throughout games like this, I think is huge. And, you know, for us as, you know, the, the starting group to go out there and just handle business from the jump and kind of stay aggressive, I think was, was huge as well. You guys had that energy uh, on the bench. I know it's a challenge to generate that home cr- crowd energy internally when you're on the road. So how do you find that on the road? Um, I think, you know, sticking, sticking with what we do as far as, you know, continue to be in each other's ear, you know, positive vibes always. Um, there's going to be times where we're going to need to find it. You know, I think Washington was probably the last game where it was quiet. Uh, we were kind of getting our butts kicked for a little bit, but we found the energy in the second half. You know, it's going to be nights like that, but just continuing to stay positive, continue to, you know, provide that spark um, from the bench. You know, just keep guys going. You know, I think it's, it's definitely going to be uh, a challenge at times, but, you know, it's, it's, it's something we look forward to as a group because we're such a tight-knit group and, you know, our chemistry strong. We'll go to Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, you're now up to 41% from three on the season. Do you feel like you have shots in your bag this year that you feel more confident in than you did last year or even earlier on in the year maybe? Um, No, I think, you know, they've been there. I think it's just a matter of me, you know, from the beginning of this year till now, I think it's a matter of make or miss um, to start this year. I think the way I shot the ball in the bubble, uh, the shots I was getting, the the looks I was getting, I really, you know, took that film and said, all right, how – said, how can I get, you know, these shots and how can I get these looks in throughout the regular season, throughout the season, and kind of finding them in different ways. And that's what you're seeing now. You know, I've worked the reps um, twice before the bubble and after the bubble before the season. Like, so I've worked these reps and it's just a matter of me just going out there and getting to them Um, in a game like this, you know, just trying to find ways to pick my spots and find a way to get shots that maybe not so much in this game, but I'm going to have to have to make and have to take, Games coming up, playoffs, like that's really, you know, where my mind is with those. And I feel comfortable with them. My teammates trust me with them and just going to continue to take them. Cole's AP. Since the all-star break, you've been red hot. Have you had a better stretch as a pro, maybe in the bubble? What, or do you think this has been your best stretch as a, as a um, shooter? And a I, think, I think the bubble was just, you know, at the end of the day it was seven games. You know, granted it was the playoffs and we lost. But, you know, for me, like the scoring is what it is for me, but it's the decision-making that's really, you know, that's, I wouldn't say shocking me, but it's really getting to a point where I'm like, okay, like you're making this step, you're making this leap. The stuff, the leaps that I've been talking about, you know, I'm finally starting to see them from the reps I've been doing over the summer. I'm starting to see them all come to fruition, come and, and be able to go out there and find them, whether it's the passes, it's the – no, necessarily it's an assist when I say pass. It's passing out of a blitz. It's, you know, pass to a pass, you know, hockey assist. Like those little things for me, I think, is uh, is are something that I really, you know, I'm, I'm excited about. I get excited about, you know, at the end of the day, my, my job is to go out there and put the ball in the basket, but it's the other things, you know, being a, a leader, being, being that guy, you know, with the ball in his hands and being able to make smart decisions throughout the entire game. I think that's something that, you know, I would say this is probably my best stretch, you know, but I'm trying to get to a point where we don't call them stretches anymore. More. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's years. It's yearly. You know, it's, it's career. It's like, it's not just best stretch, you know and I mean? That's really what I'm trying to get to where, you know, day one, we know what to expect coming in. You know, I know what to expect coming in. This is, this is my level. This is where I need to be at. And this is where I need to stay at. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Don, obviously, I mean, you guys have lofty goals and there aren't a lot of games where some of those seldom used guys actually get on the court. Do you feel maybe a sense of responsibility for 
helping to teach them and guide them when they're not actually getting the playing time? Yeah. You know, and I think we have a group of guys that want to learn, you know, I think that's what makes it easier, you know? So when we get to situations, you know, they, they see things and they ask questions, you know, it makes it easier for us to, to teach and explain and, and explain what's going on. So then when they get in, in games like this, they're out there executing without, I don't really think there was a time where we said much from the bench because they already knew what they were doing. You know, I can't say that was the case last year, you know, when they were rookies, most of them are rookies. Um, so now they're getting to a point where the guys are coming in and like, look, you know, you go here. I know what to get here out of this. Look, how do we get Jarrell a layup, you know, hand off to a, to a slip? How do we get Ursan a pick and pop three? Like those are the reads that they're starting to make. And you got to give them credit. And it's not so much us. You got to give them credit for, you know, the work they put in, you know, when we have off days and they're in the gym working with coaches, finding ways to watch film, you know, that's, that's really what it's all about. And you're seeing it in games like this, you see it, you know, from the key, continue to keep a lead, continue to defend and play the right way. Last question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. John, you referenced the starting five uh, being locked in from the outset of the game tonight. You guys wound up setting an NBA record with 18 made threes and a half. What was working that well for you guys? Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing is understanding the team we're playing. You know, we know that they're the shift team. They come in, you know, they want to really help on the roll. When you have a guy like Rudy, they want to help even more. So being able to kind of pick that apart and find guys and then guys just taking shots, you know, that, that's really what it is. Just, you know, going out there and, and taking the shots that we're given, you know, they, they got guys who are really, you know, really talented, you know, they're trying to, you know, prove themselves throughout the league, you know, and they got guys who are really good who are in who are going to be really good young guys as well. Uh, but for us, just sticking with what we do, taking shots um, that are there, but understanding the game plan, you know, and how we're going to be guarded, you know, before we get into a game, um, I think was the biggest thing. Donovan Mitchell, 22 points in 21 minutes, 6 of 7 from 3, 8 of 11 from the field. Excellent night for uh, Donovan Mitchell. Let's now hear uh, from Joe Ingles. Hey, Joe, some of the young guys on the team that don't get a lot of run during the games, uh, a lot of their work has to be done you know, on off days and uh, in the gym, not necessarily in the arena. What can you say about the the work that they actually put in? Um, they they're better kids than me. I can promise you that. Um, I mean, I, I guess I've been uh, my first couple of years not playing probably as much as obviously what I had been um, kind of the later part of my career here. But I mean, it's, it's hard to go in there. I think it's obviously, yeah, we're very lucky to have the jobs we have and the, the lifestyle and, and everything you can list off as an NBA player. Um, but at the end of the day, I get, like you still want to compete. You still want to play. You still want to – obviously, we want to be out there as much as we can, even though coaches rotation and sometimes we get pissed coming out. But, yeah, like everyone, it's a good thing that guys want to be out there. And, um, I mean, it, it would be hard. You, you you work your ass off all day in the gym. Um, they do they do play a little bit with um, that kind of group of the, the guys when they can, when they've got the numbers to. Um and then they come and they, they kind of watch and support us. And um, so to, to, I guess for us to give them opportunities too, to, to, to be out there and let them compete, play, play at the, the highest level against um, obviously good, good teams. And, um, but, but all of them from, from whatever number to whatever number, I don't know where, how you list them, but they, they all come in, they work their asses off every day. Um, either by themselves or, or in a group in the weight room, um, they're, they're all they're all extremely professional. Um, I mean, you see, we, we've got Ursan sitting on the bench all day and 
still happy to go in there at the end there and and, and play really well and, and play the right way. And um, on the flip side of that, you've got first year guys um, do, doing the same thing. So um, yeah, I mean, we're lucky with the guys we've got. Um, uh, I can uh, understand for them. It's probably frustrating at times, um, but they're obviously right now you're in the, the a really good team, really good roster. I think they can learn a lot from the guys we've got. Um, and obviously hopefully at, at some point they, they get to, flourish and, and expand their careers and play and um, do what they, they've dreamt to do their whole lives. Next up, Matt Coles, AP. Joe, you played really well when you start. How much does your role changes change when Mike's out? Um, I don't come off the bench. That's probably the biggest change. Um, I mean, I don't, <clears throat> I don't, think of it and obviously the, the starting in the bench is literally the biggest difference for me. Um, last year was, was different. I hadn't come off the bench for a while and just figuring out where I could be aggressive, how I could help the team, I guess at the end of the day, um, obviously a lot more comfortable because it's been uh, a lot more consistent um, kind of coming off the bench this year, every now and then, obviously I know if someone's out, I'm going to go into the starting lineup. Um, but I try, I mean, I try not to, I mean, I guess change the mentality of like I'm coming in when I come in with, with favor at the seven minute mark to, to play the same way as I am when I start the game. Um, I think obviously not having Mike or Donovan or whoever it is out there makes a big difference because they're, they're such a big part of our group. Um, so I understand that there's more opportunities at times. Um, try and take advantage of them, try and help the team. It's at the end of the day, it's about our, our team getting the win. So um, whatever I can do, like I said, start bench six, eight, whatever man off the bench. Like it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. We're obviously all here to, um, bigger picture to, to, to try and win. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know in a roundabout way, I guess I, I really don't think of it any different except the fact that I start at the jump ball instead of coming in at the seven minute mark. So it's, same mentality, same, try and be the same kind of player and who I am um, with a, a couple more opportunities, obviously. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Joe. Don uh, was telling us about the importance of just starting five, coming out there and being locked in from the outset and kind of just taking care of business from the jump. Uh, what was working for you guys? Obviously, you had tremendous success shooting the ball very early on. Yeah, I think just coming out regardless of who we're playing and uh, obviously tonight they had a lot of guys out and um, obviously just traded kind of three of their pretty big pieces um, recently as well. So they've got they've got new guys. They, they're playing hard. They, I think they just beat the Clippers in New Orleans. or who, I think it was those two teams they just recently played um, and, and had obviously two good wins. So you, like I said, regardless of who you're playing, who's out there, who's starting – who's injured, whatever it is, we're, we're trying to obviously come out and play the same way that we want to play every game, whoever we're playing. So um, kind of to the last question, if I'm out there with the starting group, obviously I'm, I'm a part of that. If I'm not, then um, the starters are, are really focused on, on coming out aggressive and just playing the way we want to play, be aggressive defensively, rebound the ball, run. Obviously we're going to shoot threes um, and just kind of play our style, but just making sure we're, 
we're locked in every night. Obviously, I think this, someone just said after, the, like, we don't have two days off for the rest of the year. We, we either play or have a day off or have a back-to-back. Um, so we're, we're playing every day now. So it's <laughs> Trey shaking his head in the background. Um, but yeah, it's just, a, it's a, it's obviously a tough schedule going forward. So we just want to make sure we, we're locked in and we, we come out the right way every game and start the right way is obviously um, an important part of that. Kristen Kenny, Jess TV. Joe Donovan was talking about the expectations he set for himself personally this year. Just curious, did you set any expectations or goals for yourself? And if so, what are some of those? Um, I wanted to be a really good father um, and be a good dad and be around my children as much as I could this year. Um, which hasn't worked out that well because of the rules and COVID and, and everything. Um, I mean, I'm like on, on court, not really. Um, the off court stuff for me is, is I don't want to say like way more important than basketball, but being, um, yeah, just being a, a good dad and being around my family and, and trying to support Renee and, and all that's uh, the, the most important part of, of my life. So, um, yeah, I, I, I get that obviously kind of freedom to come out here and, and play basketball for a living. And, and obviously I enjoy it. It's a, it's a hell of a job that I, I get to do. Um, uh, I mean, I've never kind of uh, like, I've never come in and set in, individual, like obviously we, we want to win. I want to play well and help the team. Um, but stats wise, numbers wise, anything like that, not, not really um, just to come. Obviously I knew I was coming off the bench this year. So to, to, to be able to help the team as much as I could in my role um, and whatever that may be. So if it's coming off the bench, starting, shooting, trying to get guys involved, if it's a defensive matchup that coach wants, whatever it is, um, yeah, just just smaller things like that, I guess, than, than anything kind of major. Andy Larson, sorry. Joe, you've played basketball games all over the world, and I'm just curious, what's the biggest blowout you've ever been a part of? <laughs> um, man, I don't even know, to be honest. Um, I've, you've probably got a better idea than I do, to be honest. I uh, I don't know what it was. So, I mean, I, I remember getting smacked by Dallas by 50 when we lost. That was a pretty – I think it was, close, it was close to 50 anyway. Um, that was one of the – other sides that wasn't fun. Um, you didn't want to be in the locker room after that game. Um, wins wise, I, I don't know, like Europe's not long enough game to really get blown out by too much. It's 40 minutes and everyone walks the ball up the court. So you don't really, uh, it's, um, it's a lot different, but I mean, to, I don't know, we even know what the score was tonight at the end of it, but um, yeah, I, I don't really know what to give you there. Andy. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'll do some research, maybe. I'm not going to do any research. You do some research and let me know. All right. Last up, Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Joe Foyon, over his last two weeks now, is really starting to find his shot, it looks like. What's it like when you're a shooter, when you do go through kind of elongated stretches where it's not going in? How difficult is that? Yeah, it's just frustrating. Um, I'm sure he's been frustrated. And obviously, we... You get a, uh, especially with a guy like Boyan, who's played for however long in different countries and leagues and, and the NBA now for a long time. Um, you don't want to, I mean, I caught myself a few times trying to like over force getting him the ball and like, I'm going to get it to you, shoot it. And like the amount I, I've been through it with 
with coach the example in the bubble when there was no fans there and he was like every time I caught it like shoot it and I was like I'm not like I'm good like I know I'm trying to like when I feel like I can shoot it I'll, I'll shoot it um so it's it's that kind of like a fine line I guess of of not overdoing it because he he does know how to play and he'll find his shot and he'll he'll take good shots um and then obviously we we still do have to do a job of of trying to get him looks we we can't have him out there not getting any good looks or missing him on opportunities because um, he can obviously score the border at a pretty high level for us. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. And uh, I think the the other hard, the difficult part this year is we've just got so many guys that if someone's going, it might be me that's taking less shots or Donovan or, or whatever, whatever it is. Sometimes it's been, it's probably been different guys every night, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's got, like I said, that fine line of, of not overdoing it, but we obviously want to keep him involved and keep his confidence up because he is a, he's a big part of what we do. So, um, yeah, you can probably, there was a few hands in the air and I think he yelled some Croatian swear words today when he hit a three at one point, um, which was nice to see. So we just need, yeah, we need him to be confident in his shot. If he, if he goes over five or whatever, still to shoot the ball because he, um, obviously our whole team believes in him making those shots. So, um, yeah, we will keep, keep on him to stay confident. But like I said, he's the last few games, he's, he's played really well. He's kind of found his, his rhythm a little bit. And, um, as a group, we, we obviously just got to make sure he, he keeps that as well. Joe Eagles, 17 points, five rebounds, Two assists for Joe filling in in the starting lineup for Mike Conley, who sat on Saturday night. Next up for the Utah Jazz, they take on the Mavericks in Dallas tonight. That game will tip off at 5 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 4. There's the best of the post-game show. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Works left, now gets denied by Bacon, a good defender. Works back up the pick, in the lane, free throw line, stop, pop, hit. Right side, Clarkson, ball fakes a three, drives on Hampton, gives that to Donovan. Dame Lillard, deep three, perfect. Gobert, back out to Don. Don fires another Lillard three and hits. Oney, fast break, kicks Forrest, finds Thomas, three, good. There's some highlights as the Utah Jazz completely annihilate Orlando, an NBA record for three-pointers made in the first half, and the second half was all garbage time. PK, that is nine straight, but when you look back, mostly games they were supposed to win. That third game at Memphis without Donovan Mitchell sticks out. The Brooklyn game should have been a big game, but their big three didn't play. But largely, they won games they're supposed to. Now the schedule gets much more interesting, starting with Dallas tonight. No, I think they're supposed to win tonight. I think they're supposed to win Wednesday. I think they're supposed to win after that. Nothing new. You get the best record in the league. You're supposed to win. Never lose again. It's not going to set. That's not going to happen. That's two different things. Yes. But But you are going to be favored in a lot of these games. Yeah. But the competition level definitely goes up. That's no question about that. But I'm accepting their greatness. I'm not questioning it. Jazz are a six-point favorite in this one over the Mavs. The Mavs started They're supposed to win. Then yeah, the Mavs started poorly. They were nine and fourteen. 
They got blown out by 30 by the Warriors, and uh, since then, last 25 games, 18-7, and seven, playing more like the team we thought we'd see as opposed to whatever that disaster was at the start of the season. Well, I'm looking forward to these next two games starting today. I like that it starts at 5 before the NCAA game. Zone coverage are here will begin at 4 on our on our station and all that stuff. But Because you got Doncic, you know, was he uh, top 10 conservatively, top 5? No, certainly top 10, maybe top 5 if you want to go there. I've got no problem if you want to put him in top 5. So it's an opportunity to pick up a nice win for sure, yeah. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Here's Levine. Levine against Brown on a crossover. 35 for the right side. Bam! Onions! Baby onions! Zach Levine puts it down! 112-102 Bulls. Devontae Graham to the top. Stripped away. Picked off. Run out. Here's Tatum all the way to the basket with Bridges on him. And he flushed it home right-handed. Now Bledsoe bodied up. Kick it to Lonzo. Left wing three. Down! Nothing but net, career-high tying seventh tray for Lonzo Ball. Rondo with a drive to his right, to the dotted line. Puts it up, puts it in with a right hand. Rajon Rondo with his first points as a clipper. A nice little floater, vintage Rondo style to make it 72-51. Rondo with a bucket there. Highlights from around the NBA. You hear Rondo with a bucket. The Clippers beat the Lakers pretty easily. 104-86, the final score. And... The Clippers took control of that game in the first half. They were up by 15 at the break and cruised to the easy victory over the Lakers. Also, the Denver Nuggets, they get the win over Orlando, 119-109. Predictably, Aaron Gordon, first game against his old team. He had 24 points. Pretty balanced scoring from the Nuggets starting five there, PK. Not that it wasn't a really good game for Jokic, but it wasn't one of the mega games we've seen him put up. 17 points. 16 assists, though, man. Yeah, nine rebounds and 16 assists. He's he's the best pure point guard I've ever seen. (laughs) Gordon had 24, Murray had 22, Porter had 20. So three guys getting 20 points, and Jokic wasn't one of them, and they didn't need it as uh, they take over in the fourth quarter and pull away and beat Orlando. Some of the other games, the Hornets now don't have Gordon Hayward. He's out for a month, injured. He'll be re-examined in a month. Celtics blow out the Hornets 116-86. to Hornets had been pushing maybe for that fourth seed in the East, but now we'll see if they uh, take a big slide here. The Warriors are sliding. They've lost seven out of eight. Hawks beat them 117-111. Steph Curry is back, but didn't make any difference in this one. And the Nets shorthanded without their uh, their big names. The Bulls beat the Nets 115-107. Kyrie Irving did play, but the other two, Harden was out, and so was Durant. So, Bucks gave Drew Holiday four years, $135 million. Bonuses could push that up to 160, but he's got four years and 135 guaranteed. Wow. <laughs> Good money, eh? Like the, yeah, like Westbrook said last week, man, <laughs> he's a winner in the game of life. <laughs> Thirty making that kind of money. Thirty-four million per year for four years mm-hmm. guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Bonuses wow. could take it to forty. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. 
Seven seconds to go. Six seconds. Juzang in the paint. Fade away. No. Got his own rebound. Slithers to the rim and lays it in. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Banks at home. Banks at home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked three to stand Gonzaga. One step closer to history. Forget about double overtime. Suggs is winning it right now, right here. Two massive plays out of him, PK. The block at the rim, chasing the ball down in the corner, a couple dribbles, and then an exquisite 40-foot one-handed bounce pass. That was big time. He is big time, yeah. I said it, uh, well, I've been saying it for a couple weeks. Best player to come out of Gonzaga in the Mark Few era, I believe as far as an NBA prospect goes. I mean, Adam Morrison had a phenomenal career, but I'm talking about NBA level. And obviously, Suggs won't be anywhere near uh, statistically the career stuff that Morrison got because he played there multiple years. All of us would be shocked if Suggs would play uh, beyond one more game in college. (laughs) There's really no reason for him to. He's a phenomenal player, and he's only obviously getting better. I I believe he would be a top three pick. Yep. I think that's how it'll play out, and that that's not to rule out going number two, but he won't be. Well, I don't know who's going to be drafting right now. So. Right. Until we get to the lottery, we won't know the order, yeah. but he's yeah. going to go very quickly. Yeah. And then I thought Kispert gave him some big plays as well. You know he can shoot the three, but getting to the rim and throwing down that dunk, and then he had the offensive rebound and put back late in the game. Those are some gritty points for a guy who's usually out on the three-point line. Yeah, he's a tough, hard-nosed player, and uh, a word about UCLA, that was an excellent run from the first four, went in five straight games, and the first team to take Gonzaga to overtime, nobody's beat them, but that's the best anybody's played them this year for 40, 45 minutes. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, they battled them, I and what can you say? That's the, That game's the essence why I'm a sports fan on multiple levels, because it was super exciting, super competitive, and then it's hard for me to get caught up in winning and losing because... I just don't think that uh, the Bruins, I mean, they lost the game, but I can't say, wow, man, they just, they didn't play well enough or what have you. That's why I'm I'm caught up in the competition of the actual game rather than result, and that was the essence of that game for sure. UCLA's biggest lead was six. Gonzaga's biggest lead was seven. It was competitive all the way through. At no point did you think, this is getting out of hand. No. It was, it was tight the whole way. So, Gonzaga wins the Thriller. Now they got to win one more against Baylor. Baylor had no problem with Houston. That was a, a pretty easy W for the Bears. So, it's the top two. The way it ought to be, PK. Uh, if you believe in pl- polls, I guess, the, the way it ought to be. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm, I think Gonzaga's going to win. But, you know, I thought uh, they were going to roll the other night. So, See what happens. I have no reason to want Baylor to win. I just soon have Gonzaga to win. We will get into that coming up. We got a lot of you weighing in on uh, social media. We'll get to that. The uh, Stanford Cardinal win the women's NCAA championship 54 53 over Arizona. Uh, Final four. They have to survive on defense as time runs out, survive a couple of last second shots. Uh, well, the semifinal was point blank. This one was kind of. Turnaround, fadeaway, top of the key stuff. It was a much more difficult shot, although it did draw iron. See if Gonzaga has to go through that and sweat out another one. Stanford had to sweat out two, but they got the title. They're third. 
first since uh, what was it? 92. Uh, 92, yeah. How about that? And the coach for Arizona, uh, Barnes. I mean, she took over a team. The first year was 6 and 24. And she was uh, storing breast milk during halftime as a mom of a newborn. How about that? Haven't heard of anything like that. She from Jersey? She's got an edge. I think she's a California gal. So yeah. Her husband's on the staff. And, uh, and so after that uh, semifinal win against UConn, she brought the team together and uh, did, thought it was a private moment right out on the floor and dropping F-bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Some other gestures. <laughs> and yeah. flipping off because uh, they didn't. They had the Final Four video, and they only had three teams. They didn't have Arizona in there, and that was sort of funny and all that stuff. So good on her for, for being able to balance all that. She's actually a San Diego gal, went to Mission Bay High School. Hey, don't get uh, closer to the water than that. Oklahoma hired Loyola head coach Porter Moser as the Sooners' new head coach. He's had a couple of great tournament runs at Loyola Chicago, and now he's going to Oklahoma. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. As far as calling plays, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the one calling the plays this year. That's an exciting thing for um, for me to get back to knowing where we're at. The fun part right now is building what we want to do better, getting that right with coaches and players that are going to be with us. That's Bears coach Matt Nagy right there. He's taking over play calling. Shake it up. All right. Yeah, I know. Well, he only gave it up for one year. What can the Bears do? Get from 500. Who'd they sign? The they signed somebody at quarterback. Who was it? Nick Foles. No. Oh, they, they brought in um, Dalton. Dalton. Yes, Andy yes. Dalton. Redheaded Rocket. Houston Police Department has launched an investigation concerning Deshaun Watson after a complaint filed a complainant filed a report against the Texans quarterback. As with any allegation, the Houston Police Department is now conducting an investigation will not comment further during the investigative process. The department issued a statement saying that. Did not specify what he's being accused of, but we know there's 21 civil lawsuits alleging sexual assault and inappropriate behavior, most of them, if not all of them, revolving around massages. So, see where that goes now. The police are involved. Tampa Bay Buccaneers cornerback Carlton Davis apologized after using an anti-Asian slur last night in a since-deleted tweet. In the tweets he apologized in, Davis said he thought the term meant lame. Did not realize it had a deeper, darker meaning. So he apologized for that. The term meant lame? L-A-M-E, you said? That's what he thought it meant, yes. Oh, I have no idea what term he used. Tom Brady's rookie card sold in March for $1.32 million, believed to be a record high for any football card. Now the same type of card has blown past that record, selling for $2.25 million last Friday. How much money do you have to have before you feel good about spending a couple million dollars on a rookie card? I guess if it's going up like this, you look at it as an investment well, and think, yeah, I'll flip it's it. An investment. I'll flip yeah, it another what year. Well, what's fascinating to me, and I've delved in the card industry a little bit, as far as that goes, the rookie card, so like the second-year card, isn't worth near as much. I don't really understand the logic, but the rookie card is where it's at. You're right. I can't possibly explain that to you. Um, you know, people create the value, and for some reason they think the rookie card, I don't know if they make fewer of them. By the second year, you know somebody's a star and there's more. 
And I'm, I'm throwing stuff at the wall trying to figure out why that would be. But you're right. Those rookie cards are where it's at. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Weber State beats Southern Utah in 19-16. Weber State improves to 4-0. Thunderbirds fall to 1-4. SUU has four losses by seven points. This three-pointer to Weber is their big loss. Uh, The other three losses have come in the last 10 seconds. This one came with about 10 minutes to go. They gave up the go-ahead points. Weber State now has one more game. they got to play Idaho State, the Cal Poly game. Cal Poly has... Decided they can't finish their season. They're down to 49 players. They've had injuries. They'd have issues. So they're struggling. They're setting, shutting it down. So we will have one more game. And if they win that, they'll be 5-0 and and off to the playoffs. Even if they lose, they might get in, but they probably don't want to consider that possibility. It's their second game with Idaho State. They already blew them out once. And an associated uh, press survey of 357 Division I athletic directors with 99 of them participating... 73% said allowing athletes to be compensated for NIL, name, image, and likeness, will decrease the number of schools that have a chance to be competitive in college sports. About 28%, nearly 28%, said many fewer schools would be, many fewer, many more schools would be competitive. I think name, image, and likeness is going to lead to this huge difference in competitiveness. I mean, we already, already are there. competitive at the top. Three to five to ten, but are like twenty or thirty schools going to break away from the rest? Well, read the quote below that from Troy Dannon, the Tulane athletic director. Tulane ADs Troy Dannon says uh, among the fifteen percent of ADs who think they think uh, NIL, this these numbers aren't adding up, but we'll go with that. Fifteen percent of the ADs said they believe NIL payments will have no impact on competitive balance. The kids that are going to Alabama are still going to Alabama. The kids that are going to Southern Cal are still going to Southern Cal. The kids that are going to Tulane are still going to Tulane. That's what I would say, yeah. Scholarship limitations. We'll keep them in line. Will there be more uh, transferring if a kid has a big year so he can go get paid more because School X has car dealers coughing up money? He would go to the NFL. What are we talking about? If, uh, if he's that good. I mean, because how many of these kids are going to get involved in this? There's not that many that draw attention to where, wow, I would love to have player XYZ as a – a sponsor or a client, I guess. So uh, I, I think from the media perspective, it'll work. You'll have guys that will want to be more flamboyant and get their names out there. So that's always good. I say bring it on. Pay them. Bring it out into the daylight. It's happening under the table anyway. You're, you're going to create a whole bunch of problems that people aren't. There are going to be so many people hanging on them and women and whatnot, all, all sorts of stuff that's going to come along with money. Just look at these pros, how many of them with all the alimony payments and then and they go broke and all the other issues that are involved. Now you're going to bring in younger kids even that The older guys can barely handle it, some of them. And now you're going to give it to 17, 18, 19-year-olds? Oh, my gosh. I just hope they give them training because money can be like a loaded gun if you don't know how to use it. DJ PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. AJ Hinch tried to make him as uncomfortable as possible, and you couldn't do it. First pitch swinging. Deep left field. Way back. Storybook home run. <laughs> and Akil Badu 
He, he did it just like you scripted it. There's a pitch. Swung on and a ground ball. Fair. Down the right field line into the corner. Extra bases. Into scores Marte. Walker turning third. He's coming to the plate. And he will score. On the third base over there. Safe is Peralta with a triple. Otani. Cranks one. Out in the right center. It's gone. First pitch swing. And he gives himself a one to nothing lead. The 3-1 to Walsh. Swinging a fly ball out into deep left center. Robert leaps. It's gone. It's a home run. And the Angels have won the game. The final score, the Angels 7 and the White Sox 4. That's the Angels show. Hey, Otani. 101 miles an hour, he hits on the gun pitching. He hit the home run. You heard the highlight there. The Angels go on to win the game 7-4, although Otani had to leave the game in the fifth inning. He got spiked, got slid into. They don't think it's a big deal, but it took him out because they're being ultra, ultra careful with him. And the Angels go on to beat the Chicago White Sox 7-4. Also, you heard the uh, Diamondbacks beating the Padres 3-1. Rookie Taylor Widener shutting down San Diego for six innings in the win. Diamondbacks taking the fourth and final game in that series after the Padres had taken the first three. Dodgers won three out of four from the Rockies. They beat the Rockies four to two as well. Boston Red Sox going the other way. 0-3 at Fenway PK for the first time since 1948. Yikes! Baltimore beat them 11-3. Well, they're in a rebuilding mode, and uh, they'll lose Baltimore. Seems like they've been in a rebuilding mode for a decade. But to lose all three at home obviously isn't good. They weren't, they're not forecasted to do well this year. Houston with a four-game sweep in Oakland. They win 9-2. to two. So they're off to a great start. Not so great last year in that shortened season, but got it rolling here right out of the gate. Four straight wins went, to open the season. Went to the uh, AL Championship Series last year, didn't they? Yeah, they got in through the... Uh, through the wild card and the expanded playoffs, wasn't their record like 500 or were they a game? Yeah, hey, regardless, man, it's not how you begin, it's how you end. And their run differentials plus 26. That's so impressive. They, just, <laughs> they battered the A's, that's for sure. Washington Nationals expected to open the season tomorrow against the Atlanta Braves. Original opening game today postponed ongoing COVID 19 issues for the club, but we're going to get out there one day. Could have some doubleheaders later on, I guess. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. No job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, Gonzaga. You got a pull for them tonight? They're not really Cinderella. And yet, to complete the undefeated season, team we get to see in this part of the country, does it feel like Cinderella? Big 12 teams, anonymous. another anonymous team. How can you not root for Gonzaga to win this thing? We will get to that coming up next. Also, coming up later in the show, Mike Weir, 2003 Masters Champion, Champions Tour regular at 8 o'clock. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider at 9 o'clock. Right now, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? 
Doing well, Andrew. You got the treatment. Breakthrough treatment doesn't involve a pill, injections, or surgery. So for guys who've been struggling with ED, it's a new option. What can you tell us about it? It is a new option, and we use at Wasatch Medical the two most advanced versions of acoustic wave therapy. What this does, and it's done this since the 1950s on other parts of the body, is it repairs and opens up blood vessels. Um, that's a good thing for feet pain and leg pain and all, you know, things like that. Uh, we specialize in erectile dysfunction, of course, because ED is a blood flow problem. And one of the leading causes, uh, younger than we'd like, is that uh, blood vessels get damaged and clogged. That causes erectile dysfunction. We go in, we treat and fix that with just a few treatments and help guys turn back the clock in the bedroom improve circulation in this part of the body and the big attraction over and over every day is guys say i'm so glad i don't have to take the pill anymore i get a little bit of that on-demand function back like it used to be so as always you've got a special offer for our listeners we do only 30 percent of men with ed seek treatment so i'm assuming two-thirds of guys are out there suffering, the relationship is suffering, uh, we want to help eliminate that. Um, call us, put a stop to your ED, uh, the assessment, the exam, what the doctor is free. That's a really good chance to ask questions. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound, by the way, at no charge. Uh, and then there's two other freebies, a little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom that you'll love. And new patients get free testosterone if you're feeling like the ambition in the bedroom's a little low. We've got that covered as well. Uh, and you can call us now. It's all no charge. All right, guys, you can call them at 801-901-8000. Watsats Medical asked for the uh, special offer you just heard here on The Zone at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hot Takes are Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup of Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. All right, we got basketball for you tonight here on The Zone. The Jazz are going to play the Mavericks pregame with Jake Scott. And Tim Lacombe starts at 4 o'clock. The game tips at 5 with David Locke and Ron Boone on the call. At 7 o'clock, the signals will split. And the zone on the AM side will have the NCAA basketball championship game at 7 o'clock. It's on CBS TV tonight. When the Jazz game wraps up, then the NCAA title game will be on both signals. So there'll be a little bit of overlap, but not a lot. So the question is, how can you not root for Gonzaga to win this thing? (laughs) Go Gonzaga, Oren says, with an exclamation point. Scott, go get it, Zags, with an exclamation point. It's their time. He does advise, however, don't sleep on Baylor with what they just did to Houston. Kevin says, Stockton alumni here. I live in northern Idaho now. In 1997, when Stockton hit the shot, I was living in the avenues in Salt Lake City. There's a jazz fan who's on board with Gonzaga. And I think there are a lot of those people. Gonzaga's been an incredible story. He's been in basketball for the last... 25 years, you've watched this evolve as Gonzaga went from just another team in the West Coast Conference to a team that made a Cinderella deep run, to a team that went every year, to a team that seems to go Sweet 16 as often as not. 
and now in their second Final Four in their second title game. The kid's all grown up, PK, and now they're a beast. Well, they definitely are. Yeah, there's no question about that. They can play with anybody. We've seen that several times over, and a lot of talk that this was their best team. And I think Suggs is a huge, huge difference maker. Timmy is a big man. Obviously, we can go down the line. Uh, but I would think on our side of the country, at Gonzaga, what's the point about rooting for Baylor? The only thing I could think of is if you're a BYU fan, do you want somebody in your conference to win? There's a guy, um, I do a thing with him. I do a podcast He's an ASU guy. He's actually the son of the uh, play-by-play announcer, and he does one of these podcast deals. There's so many of them that have popped up as far as Sun Devil football, right? And every year when they play the Utes, he brings me on and, you know, get the lowdown from the insider type of thing, right? And I've been doing it for several years now. And so he is adamant that under every and all circumstances, he roots against every team in the Pac-12 because he's a hardcore Sun Devil, right? Just loves them to death. And his reasoning is having them be any of the teams in anything, having them be successful does not help the Sun Devils. So what did you got? What do you have there from, from BYU's perspective? Because they're in the same conference. Does it help the Cougars be successful? Uh, does the does the BYU fan does he or she want to see Gonzaga win? Did you want to see Utah win in nine, what was it ninety eight when they got this far and lost to Kentucky? Obviously, they were in the same conference then. I mean, I don't think it did anything for BYU's program. Uh, they're already there. You're going to get the maximum money. You don't get more money if you win. You just get money by the appearances, right? And so does it help you financially? So is it Gonzaga, is it a true rival if you root for the other team to win? Can that really be a rival? Because if Utah no. was there this year, no. you would not root for them under any circumstances. No. <laughs> well, I do think there were some Cougars. We heard from some Cougars who rooted for the Utes in 98. State pride, conference pride, whatever. But I think in the most bitter rivalries, there's no way. North Carolina and Duke in a bitter rivalry when Weber State shocked North Carolina in the NCAA tournament and Duke fans were buying Weber State gear just so they could wear it around and irritate North Carolina fans. To me, if it's really right, if you don't have that, you're missing something in your rivalry. The ultimate rivalries have that. The ultimate rivalry, there's no chance you want your rival to win. And I think when we do hear from BYU fans who, okay, well, I, I rooted for the Utes in 98, or, or I, wore the, I wore the red and I went to the Fiesta Bowl, I think more often than not, you're going to find that that's a family where people went to both schools. And it's not the most bitter thing in the world. Because you sent kids to both schools or, you know, you, maybe you went to both schools, you know, the, the person who gets a degree one and then goes on to get some kind of second, you know, master's degree or whatever and they get it at the other. There's something there that's dulled the edge to the rivalry. If it's really the rival, under no circumstances, do you want them to win? So Gonzaga really isn't a rival of BYU. No, there's too much admiration in it. It's not the ultimate rivalry. 
I mean, they're big games when they play, so there's something. But have they? The thing is, I think in the rivalry, they take something away from your team that you really want, and that can be a conference championship and the pros. You know, it can be a, a division championship or, you know, the same team you run into the playoffs that keeps you out of the, the championship round, whatever the sport is. You know, the colleges, because so much of it tends to be the conference and the geography, they live on better decade after decade than the pro rivalries do. Those just rotate with the dominant players. When the dominant player finishes their run, they usually lose their edge. You know, maybe the Red Sox and the Yankees don't, and I don't know, maybe the Packers and the Bears don't, but most of them do. Most of them lose their edge once you get through that three, five, seven-year cycle where they're button heads. You know, the Colts and Patriots was a great rivalry until Manning went away, and then it was nothing. It was must-see TV before that, but then it was nothing. I think in the college, you, you got to take some. Duke and North Carolina are great rivals because they're stay, taking stuff away from each other. Conference title, conference tournament title, well, NCAA tournament stuff runs away from BYU every year. Yeah, but do BYU fans want to win the? Do they want to go to a Sweet 16 more than they want to win the conference tournament or the conference tournament title? It seems like well, that's the thing. And maybe I, it's because they haven't been. Uh, no, that wouldn't make any sense because under that logic, then Duke would have to beat Carolina in the Sweet 16. And I don't know that that's ever happened. Yeah, I don't know that they've met in the tournament. If it has, it's so, been an so occasional you, deal. That's, you can't apply that. I mean, Gonzaga takes something away from BYU every year. You want to win – that you want to win the conference regular season, you want to win the conference uh, title in Vegas and the tournament. I, I mean, and they've done never have they done that. They haven't. They're zero for ten, zero for eleven. Uh, they haven't done that. They've never done that. And it doesn't look like you're going to do it anytime soon. You can have the best locker room in America. I want the best players in America. Uh, BYU's best they can do is is throw a scare at Gonzaga. They haven't beaten them in Vegas, and you you can see it's not it's not much of a rivalry. The the, the place is ninety five percent full of Gonzaga fans. So, it, if you're on as far as taking something away, the Bulldogs do it every year, multiple times <laughs> against the Cougars. Well, I think there's an argument to be made: the regular season title BYU gives away by losing to other people. You know, they go on the road and they've had their losses to Pacific or LMU or USD or whoever. I mean, if we come down where they played big games at the end of the year where BYU's upset Gonzaga, who's, you know, well, one year they were undefeated, right? And they've been highly ranked. 29 no. Yeah. But they've never both gone, you know, one team comes in with one loss and the other team's undefeated and they're playing for a conference title. They haven't done that. Or both teams have a loss. Gonzaga doesn't. Doesn't lose those games very often. They lose to St. Mary's or BYU, but they okay. Lose well, then that. in Vegas, then yeah. So push it back a week. I disagree with you. I think you whoever wins the conference title took it away from all the other teams in the conference. So it doesn't just say you know, whether you go head to head or whatever it might be. Even if you beat them and they still win the conference, which could be more happens in football. Uh, then basketball, you, you still, they took it away from you because they had a better record. Yeah, I just and, don't hear BYU fans complain about not winning the conference as much as I hear them complain about Because they know they're being, not good enough. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so is that ultimately, the, there's no rivalry because there's too big a gap? Yeah, and they like them because they're nice people and the Utes are 
mean. They're bad people. <laughs> They're mean. <laughs> you know what they chant us into those games? Can't yeah. even say it on the radio. Yeah. And then they did that at Gonzaga, didn't the university president or something come out? Somebody and say, cracked on them, yeah. They got to treat them nicer. They start getting in uh, some religious overtones there and whatnot. So Gonzaga's up there and BYU's down here. And if I'm a BYU fan, I, I don't know that I root for Gonzaga tonight. What good does it do me? You like the story. And you're not going to catch them whether they win or lose tonight. Well, especially not considering what they're doing in recruiting right now. Oh. Yeah, well, they can go out and land the biggest freshman who's going to be a one-and-done top three pick. Yeah, and Ch- Chet Holmgren? No, he's like the consensus number one guy in next year's pick. He's supposed to be going to Gonzaga here shortly. Yeah. You've got to worry about yourself. I, I, don't, I don't see where Gonzaga winning helps BYU at all. The only thing that helps BYU is BYU getting better players. That, that's it. And they're going to go the transfer route to try to get these better players. Question of the morning. How can you not root for Gonzaga to win this thing? Gwen says very easily, all caps. And she's a Ute fan. She's got pictures on her Facebook of uh, all geared up uh, at Utah football games, wearing the beanie on a cold night and all that oh, yeah. stuff. Why, if I'm Utah, why would I root for Gonzaga? Go Baylor! Exclamation point. She's got the fist, the hoop, and the fist again. Well, that's not rooting for Baylor. You're just rooting against Gonzaga. That's a presidential election right there. <laughs> I don't love you, but I hate the other one more. <laughs> yeah. Right. I and that's fine. You have that right to do that. I don't want to hear BYU fans talk about that national champ Gonzaga and throw their shoulders back. So go Baylor. Yeah. And somehow BYU, is the, they take pride in the last team to beat them. That that matters. It's a footnote. That get you? It's a footnote. Doesn't get you much. I used to say it about UC Santa Barbara when UNLV was undefeated, <laughs> going for the title, and got undefeated. They were undefeated, got beat in the Final Four. They'd won the title the year before. Their last loss had been to the Gauchos. Scheduled loss, but I didn't like to talk about that. How about some gambling advice, Dallin? Here at the bottom of the comments, Baylor plus five all day. <laughs> Hey, whoever wins, who cares? Just make sure Baylor just make sure Baylor uses that plus five wisely. Is that what the line is? Apparently, I hadn't looked it up. I can double check it for you, but I'm trusting Dallin to be spot on. Maybe, uh, of course, it could have moved. That could have been when Dallin jumped in. It's now Gonzaga four and a half where I'm looking. It could be five. Mm-hmm. Well, else. it was also Gonzaga uh, like 15 in the semifinal game. I saw how much that mattered. It's 14 yeah. and a half it, when they tipped it off. Yeah. So if you put any money uh, on Gonzaga on that one, you lost. You were rooting for double overtime to win it there. Suggs killed you by making that shot. All right, hit us up on Facebook, David, or on, on Facebook at DJ and PK, on Twitter at David DJ James. Got a lot of people uh, <laughs> weighing in there. <laughs> We will get to uh, more of your reactions coming up. 8 o'clock, it's Masters Week. Mike Weir, Masters champ, Champions Tour regular, coming up at 8.05. He's 20 minutes away right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Trevor Sikama, co-host of Locked on the NFL Draft. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. Did that really solidify him as the newest member of the New York Jets? When the trade for number three overall went down between the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins, I feel like we learned more about what was happening with the New York Jets because you had some detailed messages come out after the 49ers trade that said that they contacted Miami number three, they contacted Atlanta at number four, and they contacted the Cincinnati Bengals at number five. If there was a trade to be made to number two overall, I think the 49ers would have at least picked up the phone, or at least it would have been reported that they would have picked up the phone for them, but it wasn't. And so that tells me that Zach Wilson has been a lock to go number two for quite a while now. And the pro day was, I just think, the icing on the cake for him going very high in the draft. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Get your foursome together and sign up today for the Dyslexia Center of Utah Charity Golf Tournament. Join the fun May 13th at Cedar Hills Golf Course. 100% of the proceeds go to the Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Space is limited. Find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org. All right, PK, it's the Jazz and the Mavericks tonight. The Jazz are on a nine-game win streak. You going to find anything you know, a little more interesting this week with the Jazz playing Dallas tonight, Phoenix Wednesday, top two yes. records in the NBA on Wednesday, and then the Jazz go back-to-back against Portland on Thursday. This looks like the toughest three-game stretch they got left. Okay. I haven't looked that far ahead. I'll leave that to you. That's why I'm glad you're back this week, so I don't have to look at the <laughs> You don't have to worry about that stuff. No. Geez, I hate it when you're gone, and fortunately you don't take a lot of time off. So uh, that's where you come in. And it's and at this point in the season, I think it's worth it. In in a regular season that starts in October, talking to me about January drives me nuts. But we're, we're at the point now where I think it's far Stretch more Stretch run. Yeah, no question about it. You know, we're under 25 games. Uh, so I get where you're coming from, and if that's what you said, I haven't looked at that far ahead, but I'll take your word for it. So, yeah, it's it's not devastating uh, if they lose. Now, you don't want to go on four or whatever oh, it is, on three in that case. Yeah. Uh, but it does have a little extra oomph to it, and they were already talking about it in Phoenix. They were talking about it last week. Uh, from the Suns' perspective, you know, because the, it's funny because the, the, I'm trying to recall and nothing comes to mind, and I'm not good at this uh, that way, but have we ever had a situation where we're deep, deep into the season now with less than 25 games to remain go, and the numbers one and two teams, hardly anybody believes in them as far as being able to win a title. And so the Jazz have to prove stuff to and, – and, if you believe to the doubters, and there's the point being is there are plenty of doubters, in their own room, you know, we were talking about that last year when Joe came on and they were getting ready to go to the bubble and they didn't have Bogdanovich, and we, I think it was you, may have been me, you brought that up as far as, wow, the, 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 the proverbial nobody believes in you. And he's like, well, I don't care. We believe in us. So I don't know who doesn't believe in us. Who, who you got? I'm sure you remember that. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, too, here, you've got the Jazz – a fair amount of folks don't really believe in them, but even more folks don't believe in the Suns. And here we are deep into the season, and the numbers one and two teams are in that situation. That's sort of crazy. I'm sure it's probably been it at some point, but nothing comes to mind 
that this far these guys, both ball clubs, have very good records, but yet there is so much doubt that they can do it. And for the Phoenix media and all that stuff and their fans, they were talking about this game Wednesday last week. And I I talked about how I listen to some – uh, Phoenix Sports Radio. When I'm when I go to the gym, just to see what's going on in my in my hometown, and so that's the situation for them because if they and they're still only two and a half games back, right? Or what? What are they? You got the standings ahead of you, in front of you. I mean, uh, so they're three and a half. They're three and a half back. Okay, three and a half. All right. Three, well, three if they and win, the, then they'll be two and a half. Yeah, three in the loss <laughs> column is the is the big number to watch. Yeah. So um, that's that's catchable. With still that many games to go, so yeah, they're excited about that. And the and the and the from the Suns' perspective, they've got Houston tonight. Houston's a watered down ball club, right? And it's on the road. And then they come home for the uh, Jazz, and then they got the Clippers on Thursday. So they go back to back, and that's a TNT game with the Suns and the Clippers. So they're talking about, not so much tonight, obviously, but once you get past tonight, the next two games for them are somewhat of statement games. So it's a fun time for both ball clubs, and somebody's going to prove a little bit more to somebody else or to some doubters, possibly. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward. Anytime I get to see Don, like last night, I knew Otani was going to pitch, right? So I wanted to see it. Because he's, he's a name. That's the way I view Doncic. I want to see him play. Uh, the full game, and when the Jazz play, I watch the full game. I don't get distracted by other stuff or turn the channel. I'm watching the whole game. I watched Otani pitch. I saw when he hit 101 in the first inning, and then I saw the bomb that he hit in the bottom of the first inning. Because uh, he's, he's <laughs> don't a, be late, he, people. The show no. starts in the first inning. Don't be I late. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> I had my dinner and uh, turned it on and sat down yeah. on the couch and wanted to watch it. Same thing with Doncic here. Want to see him play. He's a very, very good player. Highly entertaining player. And this is an opportunity for the Jazz to have a big week. I have seen years where there were teams that were that had the glossy record that people didn't believe in. I think what makes this year different is that these two teams were picked so far down. You know, four, five, five, six. There, there was, they weren't supposed to be in the top three. Neither one of them. Yeah, I disagree personally, but if you want to go uh, right, folks. but I think that the consensus out there, I get there are individuals who did, but they certainly weren't in the top two. I mean, it was Lakers and Clippers, and I think like last year the Bucks had the best record. Now that wasn't a surprise, but there were still people who thought uh, this isn't going to translate to the playoffs. And you were one of them. You were at the front of that parade, and you were right. And Toronto ended up with the second best record. Now that's a little surprising, but in Toronto, the you know. They'd been in conference finals. They'd been two or three in the East. It wasn't as big a shock. You know, the, the Suns, this is, as much as the Jazz have overachieved, I mean, the Suns, they make some offseason moves. They hadn't even been a playoff team. So this is a massive leap for them. And then I think you have to combine it with, like, just using last year as an example. Okay, the Lakers didn't have one of the two best records in the league, but they were one game behind the Raptors, and we all knew that if LeBron's healthy, look out. This year, the teams that on paper have the championship pedigree, they have the guys who've won championships before, even if they haven't won them with that team, they're injured. And that's this whole other, you know, when are they coming back? When they come back, are they going to stay healthy or are they going to get hurt again? How's this going to work out? And I think that puts a whole other level of doubt into this. And, 
you look at the some of the sites that do the you know they I don't I don't know how it works but I know they do like ten thousand simulations and they assign a percentage to everybody and they don't want to give anybody a thirty percent chance of winning this thing, you know like one team you know like the Nets are at twenty percent and the Lakers are at eighteen but the Jazz are at twelve percent or thirteen percent and the Suns are at twelve whichever order it was it's like nothing is outrageous for these top five or six teams. And usually we've narrowed it down to two or three. And we know, okay, look out. LeBron and the Lakers are healthy. Look out. But they're not healthy. And these other teams, the Jazz and Suns, are playing great. So there's way more doubt this year. And it may work out that it's Lakers, Nets in the end. Maybe those two will get healthy and play great. But nobody knows that for sure now. I'm ready for that game Wednesday. But first things first, Jazz and Mavericks tonight. A good game in its own right. Mavericks, after a bad start, are 18-7 and in the last 25 games. That's like a 58-win pace over a full year. They've been, they've been playing real well for two months now. All right, DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. You know, he comes on and... Uh, He's got uh, opportunities if you've been struggling with ED to avoid the pill, injections, or surgery. But, Andrew, there's often a hesitancy for guys to address ED. They'll just struggle through whatever their issues are. And why are guys so hesitant? Well, this is a great question. We're trying to help eliminate this. But I think that ED is attached to a man's sense of self-worth, ego, and a lot of guys just in denial And what's interesting is we've seen a huge uptick in the spouses or significant others calling us and saying, hey, my man has ED. What do I do? How do I talk about this? Um, And it is something we need to, you know, help guys fix because the acoustic wave therapy that we use is so much easier than you might think. The average guy comes in for two to three weeks. He does a few sessions. They're 10 minutes. They don't hurt. Uh, There's no recovery time you'll notice more blood flow where it counts, when you want it, in the bedroom. Uh, We help guys get off of the pill, go from, you know, 50 years old to 35 years old as far as function in the bedroom goes. So there's a lot of guys suffering in silence, and we hope that that ends as people learn about the acoustic wave therapy. As always, you've got a special offer for listeners who want to try this out. We do. Uh, you can call us now, and the assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with our MD is free. That gives you a great chance to see if this is a good fit for you. And you may say it's not, by the way. There's no obligation, and you can at least, uh, you know, test the waters a little bit. Um, we'll throw in a little gift that uh, is enhanced now, and it produces immediate results in the bedroom. Really cool. Give us a call here at Wasatch Medical Clinic. It's all no charge. All right, guys, you can put a stop to your ED. You can get the special offer from Wasatch Medical if you call them right now at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. You can call Andrew Reinhardt at Wasatch Medical Clinic now at 801-901-8000. Andrew, thank you. Thank you, guys. morning. It is Masters Week, one of my favorite weeks of the year. Joining us now is the 2003 Masters winner, none other than Canada claims him, but that's the whole country. We claim him here locally, so it's a little, uh, little smaller. He is 
Utah's own BYU grad uh, played golf there, Mike Weir. Mike, good morning. How you doing? Morning, PK. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited. You know, for me, uh, you know me, I'm a big golf fan. I look forward to spring, and i got to have two things that mark the advent of spring. One is opening day in Major League Baseball, and we've already had that. And the second, I don't care what the calendar says, literally, I view spring has arrived when I turn on that television and I am watching the Masters. For me, it is a highlight, and I'm glad it's back when it's supposed to be. I was glad that you guys played it in November. I was okay with that under the circumstances, but I'm super glad that it's back to where it belongs. It is a rite of passage for me every single year. I'm wondering, as a tour player, how much extra does the adrenaline get going and the heart start pumping when you're driving down Magnolia Lane and all that stuff, that famed road, knowing that you're going to play in the Masters? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely extra. And, and like you, I, you know, as a kid growing up in Canada, you know, we had, you know, fairly similar climates here as Utah. And, you know, I remember when I was 16 watching Jack Nicholas and the weather was just kind of breaking and running inside to, to watch the tournament at, at my home club and watching Jack and then running outside to the putting green to pretend I was Jack Nicholas. And, <laughs> you know, it was kind of like the same thing, you know, when, when, when spring's here, the Masters is here and, and now to be able to play in it and, and been lucky enough to win it, it's still, I still get chilled every time I, I get there, anticipating getting there, flying in. And the first time you drive down Magnolia Lane for the week, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of things come flooding back and, you know, a lot of excitement and anticipation, you know, in the air, you know, kind of coming in there Monday to get registered and, uh, and get ready. Um, yeah, it's an exciting time. Yeah, I can imagine for you, you're a veteran, you're 50, I think you turn 51 next month, because I know we talked to you and you told us you were shooting for this, I, I call it the senior tour, I can't call it that anymore, as you corrected me, the champions tour, uh, that starts when you're 50, we saw uh, uh, down in Tucson, how'd you not flip off Sutherland when he chipped in on that, what was it, 16? <laughs> yeah, what a shot, what a shot that was, you know, it was the only birdie on that hole all day, apparently, the hole was playing very difficult, and yeah, I mean, man, um, you know, I played well, and, and, you know, he just played a little bit better, you know, down the stretch, you know, the guys who win usually, you know, unless you run away with the tournament, but there's obviously some swings down the stretch, and, and he made a great chip in, and 17th hole, I don't know if you've ever ever played there, PK, but it's a bit of an awkward hole, you know, it was playing straight down when there was almost impossible to hit the fairway because uh, the fairway sloping away from you downwind and yeah. you just kind of bang driver out there and you hope, you know, there's a few trees there, but you know, I, you, you think you're going to get a gap that you're going to have a shot at the green and he did and I didn't. And, um, he made a birdie to, to take the lead there. So, um, but at the same time, you know, I'm playing well and, and it just showed me that my game's in a good place uh, kind of coming into uh, this week. So even though you're a veteran and you've already got the green jacket, you accomplished the ultimate goal as far as I'm concerned. Still the competitive juices flow and you still want to compete. Oh, no doubt. Um, especially now at this stage, you know, PK, I, I, had a, I had a tough run of years where a number of different things, but um, I felt like some years were, were missing in my career, you know, right. Uh, I don't know if I want to say taken away from me some what the injury was and some other things, but um, I, I've got this rejuvenation. I, even though I'm 50, I, I feel kind of rejuvenated that 
I missed a lot of time. Um, I missed a lot of, uh, I feel like good time. And now I'm at a place where my game is good. You know, it's, it's not the level of top players in the world, but it's, it's in a good place. And I feel like when I go into Augusta, I think that the good vibes and feelings I have there and, and Augusta more than any other place is, is a mindset. I, I really truly believe that you have to have all your wits about you pulling out the shots, you know, it's kind of cliche to say committed to the, you know, to the shot at the moment. But there's, if you hit a shot a little indecisive, ah, maybe it should, maybe I should hit a six iron or hard seven. And you walk in there without a clear picture, man, you'll make a double or triple bogey so fast. Mm-hmm. It'll make your head spin. So I think the mindset there more than any other tournament is, is really imperative. And, and that's what I'm kind of going in there with. And I think experience um, helps there. Interesting comment mm-hmm. on the mindset. Now, none of us, uh, I don't think in our listeners uh, on the zone here have been to your level and can put ourselves into that spot. But if we're amateur golfers, and I've been pretty much since about 12, 13 years old, uh, I can relate to uh, on a very small scale here. Let's not uh, kid my, I don't want to kid myself, but you know, you talk about which club to use and being able to sell yourself on the shot. I play with mm-hmm. a guy, his name is Brent Jones. I don't know if you know him. He coached a little bit about uh, down at BYU when you were down yeah. there, I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he lives around the corner from me and we play in a little men's league on uh, Tuesdays, and he's really helped me with my game. And his big thing is, man, be sold on the shot. And it's interesting that even on your level, you've got to be sold on the shot. If there's any type of indifference, you're basically saying you're hosed. Yeah, you are. I mean, you know, Augusta, I think, you know, it's a good lesson for, you know, club golfers, you know, aspiring tour players and, and elite players. I mean, it's, it's basically the same thing as, as being committed to your shot. I, I tell my buddies when I'm playing with them, when they hit, man, I can't hit it to them. I'm like, well, what were, what were you focused on? You know, where you, he's like, oh, I was you know, I was just trying to hit it out there. I'm like, well, you gotta, you gotta pick some kind of a target out there. You know, you, you know, those kind of little details, um, they get a little more enhanced and they get very enhanced at Augusta National. And, you know, when the pin's sitting up on a little tier and your, you know, your landing area is literally four or five yards, if you're indecisive, you know, at your home club, that shot still might be okay, 20 feet left of the hole. But at Augusta National, that might hit a slope and be 50 feet or might land four yards too far and go over the back of the green. And you have this diabolical chip that you have to be very uh, cute with, I'd say, and you can leave it short or you can hit it by. And next thing you know, you're walking off with a triple bogey because it's, your next shot is that much more difficult. So those, those are little things I think that really play out at Augusta national more than any other tournament is that um, you, you may barely miss a shot offline, but then your next one, because you've, you've hit it in the wrong spot is very, very, becomes very, very difficult. So um, from what I've heard, they, they had their big member tournament there two weeks ago. The greens are very firm. Um, so we didn't have that in November. It was, it was like throwing darts in November. The course was soft. I think you'll see the course play pretty darn firm and you'll see some of these things. You'll see some guys with doesn't look like that difficult a shot on TV, but it's so firm and so fast that you have such a small landing area to land maybe a chip shot to get it close to the hole. And if you miss that spot, you're 30 feet away. Um, <laughs> and that's Augusta national. <laughs> I just got queasy in my stomach when you're saying that. <laughs> Michael Weir, former masters champion joining us now for the guys who've won it and are a little older is when you get uh, to the area, uh, 
how do you balance competing but actually socializing with the guys and maybe having somewhat of a you know, little bit of a reunion, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some of that on Tuesday night in the in the champions uh, with the champions dinner, and we have a you know a little reception before we sit down for dinner and mingle around a little bit, catch up with with everybody, and that's that's what makes another part of the week that makes it very special for me now is to be part of that group and to sit around and and you know talk with Jack Nicholas and and talk with Gary Player and Ray Floyd and you know the names go on and on and. Um, you kind of be in the middle of that, that gap of the younger guys with Jordan Spieth and, you know, Adam Scott and some of the younger guys that have won, Patrick Creed and Bubba Watson. And then you have, you know, you have Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson and these other guys and Gary Player. And, and then I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. So I'm, it's, it's great to hear the stories of the past from these guys and, and see how the game's evolved in the last 20 years. So it's kind of a fun place to be. Okay, Mike. I got a question that you've uh, never gotten and you're never going to get. I'm pretty sure of that, okay. but that's what I do. Right. So I'm giving you one choice. You can only choose one. So for the rest of your life, you get to go to the champion's dinner versus for the afterlife, you get to go to heaven. Which one are you choosing? <laughs> oh, man. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure of my belief system and all that, so I'm, I'm sticking with the champion's dinner because I don't know where we're going after, so I'm, I'm going to stick with the champion's dinner. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine that. How cool is that? Sports, whatever sport, they've all got their traditions, uh, whatever they might be, but you're talking about the champion's dinner, and one of the things that I think is so awesome with golf is that – you really, uh, you don't necessarily fade out of view, you know, Jack, and obviously he's the extreme example, and, you know, hitting the the, the, the ceremonial ter- first shot with Gary Blair mm-hmm. and then Arnold Palmer when he was alive. But I love the way golf blends its past, recent past, long-term past. It just meshes it together with the what's going on in the actual golf world now and it seems like there's a great timeline there and i think that that champions dinner probably best illustrates it yeah yeah i I would agree i think you know well i think that and the you know the other things that there is longevity in in our sport you can continue to play with champions tour so you know, other sports, you know, you might be done at 30, you know, in football, you might be done earlier than that basketball, early thirties. And, um, but golf, you can continue to play well guys. Look at Steve Stricker and Bernard longer guys from their mid fifties, even early sixties, still playing well and, and doing some awesome things. And yet their goals might be a little bit different, but they're still able to accomplish their, their own, their own things, you know, on the champions tour and their own, their own goals. So I think that is, is really special about golf too. And that we're always, working on it you know Arnold Palmer was always working on a swing and trying to find something better with his putting and I sit beside Gary Player at the champions dinner he's always talking about Mike if I can get my club just a little more across the line I can get five more yards you know I can get five more yards and I'm already beating my age by 15 I want to beat it by 17 you know he's just things like that that keep you know uh, keep yourself motivated it's, it's pretty inspiring yeah golf's a lifetime sport when you think about it I mean not just at your level but Duffers like yeah. me yeah, can continue to play 60s and hopefully 60s and 70s and 
going yeah. forward on that. So when you say you sit next to Gary Player, is it assigned seating? How does that work? No, it's not assigned seating. It's just we've all kind of fallen into our our little spots at the, at the head of the table. And November was different because we they had us a little bit more spread out because of COVID. And I'm not sure if they'll do that again this year. But normally we're all at one big table. And uh, after we take our, our annual photo, everybody just kind of goes to their spots. And it seems like Gary Player's at the one end and myself and BJ and Trevor Immelman and Adam Scott and Nick Faldo and we all kind of um, Charles Cootie is down there as well. We're all kind of down at the end of the table. Um, it's kind of like the back of the classroom there. We're all back in the back of the classroom telling stories. And um, and Gary Player's the ringleader. He's he's telling all kinds of great stories about uh, the past and the great players of the past. It's really fun. Yeah, and that's cool. It's guys from all over the world too. That's another thing about golf. It's mm-hmm. really a you know a world game, and you've just mentioned Player and Faldo and others. Uh, Adam Scott, those are not Americans. They've made their right. mark here, obviously, in, in the version of the U.S. Tour, but those are not native-born Americans. The thing about the Masters, and maybe it's across the board uh, in other tournaments too, but I especially see it at the Masters. The winner, uh, particularly if it's a first-time winner, I can't remember if you were in that situation, but Dustin Johnson last year, he's being interviewed, and he can barely speak. He's overcome with emotion and, and mm. all these things that must be just flooding through him. What What is that like when you win, when you're actually the last man standing and you win that green jacket and you're in the literal moment, which you have been? Uh, what are all those emotions that are going through these? We've saw, seen Bubba Watson, and the list goes on as far as that goes, of just almost to the point of bowling. Mm-hmm. And Dustin last year had a hard time speaking. Can you describe the, all the emotions that run through you at that time? Oh, boy. It's it's hard to describe. I guess it's um, it all goes back for me. I can only speak for me. It just goes back to almost what we talked about the, the beginning of this chat was, you know, the, the right of spring and, and myself watching golf, falling in love with golf and Jack Nicholas at the Masters in 86. Yeah, I loved golf before that, but that tournament in particular and watching Jack at the Masters in 86, you know, made me really want to be a professional golfer. And, you know, for me, when I was done on the 18, or sorry, on the 10th hole after the playoff, that my brother and my dad um, be there. And to finally be able to, I think, you know, you're, you're so focused for that many days in a row and to finally let off the pedal a little bit and just absorb it. And, uh, you know, you just kind of overwhelmed, like, holy, you know what? Like I, I, I did this. I, I can't believe I was able to stay focused and, and not let the moment get a hold of me and, and, uh, and mess it up. You know, I was able, able to actually kind of pull it all through. So, you know, I think that's why guys are, overcome with emotion I was I certainly was before before I went into the interview with uh in the butler cabin with when Tiger put the jacket on me with me with the chairman and Jim Nats um I had a moment just to splash some water on my face for a second before I it's, it's all happens pretty fast after the playoff and I had you know 20 seconds to wash some water on my face and look in the mirror and just just unbelievable you know feeling that uh of accomplishment of all, all your dreams from you know, going back to when you're a kid. So, um, yeah. and then, then I have the utmost respect for guys like Jack and Tiger who have done it, you know, 18 times, 15 times. It's like, how, how do they get themselves there in that mental state that meant that often 
not only winning them, but like to, you know, be in that moment for, uh, so often, it's, it's really hard to do. Yeah, that's what I want to ask you, Mike Ware, Masters winner, joining us. He's going to be playing this week in the Masters. As far as, you know, that concentration, I mean, I have a hard time concentrating completely the way I need to be on a single hole. Forget about four days of 18. I can only imagine the mental strain. How difficult is it when you're out there to stay in that moment? Because I think that's a requirement that you must have to be successful at your level. Yeah, that is. I mean, it, it, you know, uh, you know, I've done it a few times. You're you're chasing that. You want to be able to do that. Um, I, don't, I don't know what interference kind of gets in the way, whether the expectations or the anticipation of maybe winning a tournament that pulls you out of it. But it is it's hard to get yourself in a state where you're you're just focused on the moment and that shot with people yelling, all the movement, other players making birdies, all that noise going on around you. But you're able to. At least in my case, that's what I tried to do is just find a way to kind of block all that stuff out. And, um, you know, Jack Nicholas was, you know, talked about how, how he would just kind of go into his own world and, uh, you know, kind of have this picture of this movie running in his head of exact shot, how he wanted it, to, uh, the trajectory of the shot, how he wanted the ball to land. He visualized so well. I think Tiger was a lot the same way. So, I haven't been able to tap it as much as those guys, but when you do tap into that and you're able to create that in the in the biggest moments um, and and put everything else aside, that's that's kind of the ultimate. So for me, the Masters, I was able to do that for 72 holes, um, and it's just I think that's when you're finally done and and you you happen to win one, yeah, these these things kind of overcome you and you're um, you're overcome with emotion. Yeah, for sure. Is it, uh, we, we always, we, we forecast going in NBA playoffs, you know, who do we think is going to win and, and NFL, whatever it might be, uh, particularly in the media. But I even think fans, fans do it too. We try to, have, we come up with our own idea of how it's going to play out. I, I sort of view the, the Masters as somewhat of a, an impossible situation to try to predict do you think it's possible if, if you're playing well, can you continue it? If you're not playing well, can you turn it on? The point being, is there any way that, that any of us can really pick who's going to A, contend, and then B, win? Uh, I think it's, it's difficult to do nowadays because it's, it's so competitive out there. There's so many great, talented players. But I always right. look to the guys, you know, the year I won there, I was playing very well. I won a couple times earlier in the year. My confidence was high. I was in a nice flow with my game. Now there's always aberrations, guys. I remember Jose Maria Alfabo saying that he had, you know, missed the cut and you know hadn't played well, and all of a sudden he got in there the second time he won there, and he, you know, he just kind of got the the good vibes going again uh, through Augusta National, just playing the golf course in the practice rounds, and that really helped him. But most of the time, it's guys who are playing well, um, and. It's hard to flip the switch at Augusta. It can be done, but I would look to the guys that are really playing well and putting well. Uh, guys who have great short games. Um, and But then, then you're narrowing it down, but it's still hard to predict a winner. But I think you can kind of narrow it down maybe to the you know 20 guys. Yeah, if I remember correctly, at your point, I remember watching on television, uh, you won what I call the Bob Hope, uh, Palm Springs. I don't know what it's called or what was it I called did, then. Yeah. And, and then the uh, L.A. Open, right? That's what I... Uh, yeah, and then I won L.A. And, um, 
I, I finished, I think I finished second maybe at Pebble Beach too. So I was really playing well. Um, I, I really had a great West Coast. And so right. my confidence was high. And I had a bit of chip on my shoulder too, because early in the week, I didn't get asked into the media center as like one of the favorites. And I kind of used that. I, I used that a little bit. Like I thought, you know what, here I am. I've won twice. I finished second, third. No one's playing better than me yet. You know, no one, no one thinks I'm going to win here. So I used that a little bit. That, Sweet. Um, they were just thinking, you know, it's a long, a long player's, uh, right. uh, you know, golf course because it was wet and playing long. But um, that's where I go back to. There's something to be said for confidence and belief and mindset going in there. And my short game was great. And so I think I think that you have to really look at that if you're if you're looking to pick somebody. You got to look at those aspects. Somebody who's really mentally tough and someone who has a great short game too. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us on The Zone. We'll be watching you, and good luck. Yeah, appreciate it, PK. Thanks, man. There's the Masters champ, Mike Weir, with PK. PK, you were trying to backdoor him to get some help in the picks in the draft with uh, Bob and I, weren't you? (laughs) I see you working for an edge. It's funny, while he was answering that, I clicked on the PGA Tour winners, and it doesn't look, I know the tour year starts back in the fall, right? But mm-hmm. December, it pretty much shuts down. So assuming there's no momentum carried through that, I just looked from the first of the year in 2021 here, starting with uh, Harris English winning at Kapalua, and it doesn't look like there's any multiple winners. Maybe I'm missing somebody, but... <laughs> I think, I think we're uh, yeah. like 15 winners in 15 tournaments. Sure, but I don't think that's a requirement to be playing well. Right, uh, there could be guys with a bunch of top fives. Yeah, and, I mean, you, you look at Jordan Spieth. Obviously, he won yesterday, and he has been getting better. Now, he mm-hmm. went into a slump, right? Of, of 2017, and looking like, oh, my gosh, he's the latest of guy who's just going to take the golf world by storm. Well, you know, McElroy and Justin Thomas and those guys, and even Fowler to a lesser extent, uh, Kepka. We thought those guys were going to do that, but nobody's really taken the world by storm. And now DeChambeau's up there. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if you look at what Spieth has done, he's gotten better. And he's made substantial improvement this calendar year versus where he was. Not where he was in 2017, but where he was the last couple of years. And so he finally breaks through wins yesterday. I think that was his first win in four or five years, right? So what type of momentum? Because when I was talking to Mike, and I remember this, I remember, it's funny because I remember sitting in a hotel in Albuquerque rooting for Mike to win the Bob Hope, <laughs> which is the Palm Springs, right? right? I'm traveling for basketball at that time in, in uh, January, and I can literally remember sitting on the bed uh, watching him, thinking, man, he's going to win, and, and he got hot, and he did carry that through in Augusta. And so there's something to be said for that. All right, well, uh, as far as your other question, which is pretty interesting, what if, what if in the next life it's just a champion, it's just a champion's dinner every day? Well, I'm not going to be there, so I wouldn't have any (laughs) idea. (laughs) You've been told not to judge, PK, and here you are judging. I'm judging myself. No, I've been told not to judge. Judge not. Ye, what, ye judge not ye, the other guy, something. I mean, that's a liberal transra- <laughs> translation. But uh, you got, he got, <laughs> he, Yock's head is spinning. <laughs> so, I mean, that's Whoa, I haven't trans- heard that one. Uh, that's Jersey English right there. There it is. And, and oh. so that, that is, I judge myself. But I, I believe 
that winning the Masters is literally the coolest individual thing you can accomplish in sports. All right, it's time for you win a golf Masters giveaway. Caller 12 will be paired with the top 25 player in the world, and we'll also have Caller uh, 12 will get number 26, which is the field. It's 26 qualifiers overall, yeah. If the player assigned to you wins, you'll receive the same brand of driver that player has in their bag. Qualifiers will be assigned today, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Time right now for the You Win a Golf Masters giveaway. Be caller number 12 right now and see what player you get for this year's Masters. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663. It's brought to you by You Win a Golf, serving Utah golf since 1971. All right, time now to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, you've talked about this the last couple times you've been on. You've actually gone into uh, detail on this, which I think our, our listeners like. Cambridge University, with a study on the treatment Wasatch Medical Clinic is offering for people who have ED. Can you get into some of the details of uh, what Cambridge and the other, you've mentioned there's like 40 of them, uh, the other studies are showing and what they're learning, what they're seeing? Yeah, it's pretty significant science now. When we first started treating uh, guys with erectile dysfunction with this therapy, there was one or two clinical studies. Now, many years later, there's over 40. The Cambridge study is really interesting because what they did is they took a group of men with severe erectile dysfunction, and they targeted a bunch of you know really crazy health conditions, and then also guys that were no longer getting any results from pills, so severe cases the success rate was really high. In fact, I think it said 90%. Uh, They went back and tested guys a while after that. The results were still lasting. So this is proven stuff. If you're out there struggling with erectile dysfunction, Wasatch Medical uses the two most advanced versions. Uh, they're, uh, They're the ones that Cambridge used on this study showing we can repair and open up blood vessels. And you'll see once you go through the treatments that the blood flows better in the bedroom when the timing is right. The big attraction, I think, to this is guys are so sick of the pill. They're sick of the side effects. The relationship is suffering. So we have helped a lot of guys turn back the clock in the bedroom. All right. And you've got a special offer for our listeners. What are you going to do? We do. Only 30% of men with ED get treatment. So a lot of guys suffer, and we want to end that. Uh, call us. We'll do the assessment and exam at no charge. He'll do uh, the doctor will do a blood flow ultrasound. That's a really cool test of your blood vessels. Um, I've had that done many times. Plus an enhanced gift. You'll love this. I promise. It produces immediate results in the bedroom. Probably a four or five hundred dollar value. Uh, call us. It's no charge. All right, if you want to call him, the number is 801-901-8000. You can call Andrew Reinhardt with the Wasatch Medical Clinic right now at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Trevor Sikama, co-host of Locked on the NFL Draft. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. Did that really solidify him as the newest member of the New York Jets? When the trade for number three overall went down between the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins, I feel like we learned more about what was happening with the New York Jets because you had some detailed messages come out after the 49ers trade that said that they contacted Miami number three, they contacted Atlanta at number four, and they contacted the 
Cincinnati Bengals at number five. If there was a trade to be made to number two overall, I think the 49ers would have at least picked up the phone, or at least it would have been reported that they would have picked up the phone for them, but it wasn't. And so that tells me that Zach Wilson has been a lock to go number two for quite a while now. And the pro day was, I just think, the icing on the cake for him going very high in the draft. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Get brought to you apart by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Utah Jazz and the Dallas Mavericks tonight. Early start, 5 o'clock Mountain Time. Pre-game will start at 4 Right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We'll have to split it up about 7 o'clock because we'll have the NCAA championship game for you as well, and that'll start while the Jazz are in the fourth quarter. And at that point, you'll be hearing the Jazz on the FM, and you'll be hearing the championship game on 1280 The Zone. And then when the Jazz conclude, the championship game will be on, uh, on both signals. Jazz and Mavericks playing for the third time this year. They played twice in three days in late, late January. The Jazz won by 12 and then again by 19. That was in Dallas's worst stretch of the year. They're in the middle of a six-game losing streak. Uh, a week later, they got blown out by the Warriors by 31, and that seems to have been the turning point because that dropped them to 9-14. and 14. And they've gone 18 and 7 since. That's a good 25 game run. That's a pretty solid sample size right there. And 18 and 7, that's a, you know, that's a 58 win pace or so, something there in the high 50s. So the Mavericks playing well. And yet, PK, as we discussed earlier this morning, the Jazz are favored by six. Favored by six to win their 10th straight game. When you're the big dog, this is what happens when you got the best record in the NBA. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, they didn't play those games with Mitchell. Uh, he had some concussion protocol at that time, and so now he's back. He missed the uh, – they had the deal with the plane. You were gone last week, but I'm sure you were well aware. Oh, yeah, I read all about it, yeah. yeah. And so he sat out that game, so be it. And now he's back. He talked about it and said he'll be on the plane and all that stuff. And it was clear he was sitting in his hotel watching the Angels game because when Otani hit 101 on the gun and then hit a bomb, he, temp- he uh, tweeted out, damn, or something like that. And I assume that uh, they're quarantined basically when they're on the road. So he was sitting in a hotel room watching the game, and he's got the baseball background. So, uh, you know, what happened back in early January certainly has no effect on anything that's going to happen tonight for a couple of reasons. As you said, the Mavericks are playing much better, and also Mitchell didn't play that game. And so this is an opportunity for the Jazz to – Really just keep it going, man. And if you start getting multiple, what would this be, three win streaks of 10 or more? I mean, that's just that's just extremely impressive. There's no other way to spin that. that and, and, and everybody's playing everybody. And so, yeah, some games are easier than others. And the Magic obviously was a joke. I like to thank the Magic for coming in. Uh, and All right. Uh, was that not yeah. well scheduled? I know where you're yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, because I wanted to watch the, the college game with uh, the Bruins and the Zags there, and so that game uh, was no longer competitive, so I didn't pay much attention to it. It's one of the rare times I I turned away from a Jazz game, 
and obviously the college game was off the charts. So the Magic uh, have just undertaken the full rebuilding mode and had a bunch of guys injured, and, and yeah, and they hammered them too. So the Jazz continue to do it and continue to build uh, points of evidence, basically, that they are an elite team that should be expected to do elite things this season. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That, what more do you want? And it, it, I, do, I do admit, though, I'm a little nervous. We had on Mike Smith last week, and he's back uh, doing some more broadcast for the Jazz. He'll be with them in the entire playoffs. He's uh, looking to be full-time next season. <clears throat> and he was talking about, you know, his dream scenario would have the Clippers and Lakers finish 3-6, and six, and so they play each other in the first round. Because I am a little nervous about getting the healthy Lakers team in the second round. i, I got to say, there's no question about it. And I think we all are from the Jazz perspective. It's something that we don't really want to see in the second round. So have them uh, find a way to finish third and and sixth with the Clippers being third and the Lakers being sixth because uh, I do know somebody in the Lakers organization, and he told me when Anthony Davis went down, it was way more serious than they were letting on. And so far, the guy's been right. It's like there's no talk of him coming back now. And Mike Smith was pointing out the guy has been injured, and he wasn't injured in the postseason last year, but he had a three-month layoff because of the the virus situation. Now he's going to end up probably having the same amount of layoff here uh, and, and while the team is playing. Last year nobody played. So it's something to keep your eye on. I don't, it's, it's too early to obsess over standings now. But it's certainly, I think, worthy to keep your eye on going forward as far as how things are shaping up. And I'm not saying that the Jazz perspective, they should avoid the Lakers at all costs. Because in the final analysis, maybe you would disagree. But if you lose to the Lakers in the conference final or you lose to them in the second round, for me, really, what's the difference? Uh, I think that's mostly true because you've lost and you're out, and that is the biggest fact. I think there's some value in going deeper and getting more experience, so there's a little value there, but that's the small part of the equation. The big part of the equation is you lost. Um, You know, the Lakers and Clippers is interesting. Yes, that could happen, but I am just not— I was was thinking about this driving back from Portland. You have a lot of time to think. (laughs) Eastern Oregon— is really pretty. The Blue Mountains are gorgeous, but it does go on for a while. <laughs> so I was thinking, would you rather, the way the Nuggets are playing, and the Nuggets, you know, they make the Aaron Gordon trade, and they've been playing really well, like the Mavericks. They're a team that started poorly and has gotten better, and now, you know, they've made a trade, and they've altered their starting lineup and all that, so they're, they're going to be a different club going forward. they got different talent. I, if you were the Jazz... Would you rather play, and of course, if you're Joe Ingles, you're not going to come on and say this. We'll play whoever, whenever, right? But would you rather play the Clippers or would you rather play the Nuggets? I think I'd take my chance with the Clippers. In the second round you're speaking of? Yeah. If the, if the Nuggets, who are now only a game behind the Clippers, if the Nuggets catch the Clippers and finish third, there will be no wailing and gnashing of teeth from me. No. No, no, no. And that doesn't mean you couldn't lose the series to the Clippers. Because you could. I don't think the Jazz will. Sixes? But they could. Really? I give the... The Joker scares me to death. He's very good. And he's playing very well. You know, he was already very good. And, like, he's got another level now. Yeah, if it ends up... That yeah, but if you have got to have... If you've got to have 
some type of playoff pedigree, then the Clippers are the team. Well, they got Kawhi, and he's got playoff pedigree. But do you believe well, anybody they got a Baca too? Yeah, they do. You're right. They do. Maybe it's, okay, P- well, maybe it's PTSD from the playoff after series. That? From the what? Do I believe in anybody after that? Yes, but to varying degrees. Absolutely. Do I, yeah. I don't. It's not a blanket belief that I just throw out the blanket and everybody who's underneath it. I believe in the same thing of each player. No, there's varying degrees of belief. Yep. Agreed. And I think that's true of individuals on a team, and I think that's true when you look at the top seven teams in the West. I mean, honestly, the Jazz could lose a playoff series to any one of these teams. If you walked out on the floor thinking, this is a done deal, there's no way, you'd be a fool. You know, the top seven teams in the West are all good to one degree or another. But if you had to pick your poison, if the Suns, Nuggets, and Lakers end up on the other side of the bracket, no tears should be shed. And, hey, if you want to win it all, you're still going to have to play the one of them that is playing the best basketball that gets through the other two. So I think you can totally oversell this, you know, the easier path and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can totally oversell that. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're – at the end of the day, you like that? At the end of the day, you're going to face one of these teams that's very good that is playing the best basketball, that is the healthiest, that has the role players at a high level because they're not going to be backdooring their way through the other side of the bracket. And like you said, there's still 20, most teams have 22, 23 games to go. And it's only a game between the Clippers and Nuggets, a half game between the Nuggets and Lakers, a half game between the Lakers and Blazers. You can drive yourself nuts going over this. I don't know that Dallas yeah, can get... too early. Yeah, I don't know that Dallas can get out of the seven spot. Well, they can. I don't know that I expect it. They Obviously, can. they can. They're only two and a half games back with you know 22 or 23 to go. Um, and, and maybe the Lakers will be the team. Maybe these guys will sit for a long time, and they'll just plummet. And maybe the Lakers will end yeah. up being, playing. Uh, man, LeBron in a seven game, in a seven eight game for one game for the playoffs. That'll be must see TV. I think that for me, uh, just looking at it uh, generally, and you can break it down individually. But then you, it, it, it's it's like it's like this political stuff that we got going on. Well, you're hypocritical. Well, you're hypocritical. Well, you're hypocritical. You just, both sides just going back with the hypocrisy. You all are hypocritical. I, I, I sign on with Charles Barkley said the other night, 100%. And so it's the same type of principle. If I start to make arguments for I want to play this team but yep. not that team, well, as soon as I make this argument over here, I just flip it. I think the one thing that I can say – with a reasonable level of assurance is if the Lakers are healthy and it's just those two guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause I don't really care if the other guys are healthy or not. I care from the Laker perspective, the, the, the ultimate big two, if they're healthy, I just as soon have them have on be on the other side of the bracket. And then at that point, whatever happens, who's ever in my side, on my side, and whoever I'm scheduled to face in the second round, if I'm fortunate enough to win, win round one, so be it. Because it looks like the second round is going to be very, very dangerous. I mean, Portland, yep. I can make a case for Portland you should. being yes. just as dangerous as the Clippers and Nuggets. I mean, you, got, you talk about varying levels of belief. Well, all of us, I think, have a high level of belief in Lillard. I mean, he's proven it, man. Big shot left 
left and right. Now, he doesn't have the horses around him to carry him where he wants to go, but, man, in any given game, in any given series, that guy is as dangerous as they come, right? We all agree on that, and then we'll see. They've made a couple of moves, and Yurkic back and all that stuff, so they're, they're dangerous. So I'm not going to sweat who the Jazz are playing because I know that if they should be fortunate to win round one, that when they get to the second round, it's going to be a it's difficult on. task. And yep. then obviously the third and fourth rounds follow the same way. Yeah. I think the one thing we know is the Jazz and Suns are going to go to opposite sides of the bracket. Uh, they're just getting too much separation now. The Jazz are three games in front of the Suns in the last column. The Suns are four in front of the Clippers and Nuggets. So... The Jazz or Suns would really have to fall apart in a way that we just couldn't possibly anticipate right now. They look like the top two teams, and they should go to opposite sides of the bracket. All right, more on this with our basketball insider Steve Cleveland coming up in about 15 minutes. DJ and PK, you pulling for Gonzaga tonight? Many of you are, but some of you have interesting reasons why you are on board with Baylor. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Kristen Kenny on the Big Show. What is it that's different about Donovan this season as opposed to last season? I think he's made a concerted effort to have better starts. He's talked about that. He always has been that guy that you can rely on down the stretch. You want that guy that can show up in those big moments and drain that crucial clutch three. But what about from the jump? He's made it a priority and you see that point production double. And I think having more strong starts and consistent play through all four quarters, to me that's the difference maker. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in The Zone Sports Network. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Really? Seven seconds to go. Six seconds. Juzang in the paint. Fade away. No. Got his own rebound. Slithers to the rim and lays it in. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Banks it home. Banks it home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked three to Sten Gonzaga. One step closer to history. Well, there's a no doubter right there for the Chevy Strong play of the game. Taking a step across half court and launching that long three and banking it in to keep your perfect season alive and win a game in overtime. Avoid double OT. Jalen Suggs, Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today. Uh, I guess it'll be at 350. It won't be at 450 because the Jazz will be in the pregame show at 450. So keep your ear to the ground at 350. And then if it doesn't happen, well, maybe they'll do it during the pregame show, but I wouldn't think so. So there you go. That's the Chevy Strong play of the game. You can win some fabulous prizes. All right, NCAA title game tonight. Gonzaga survived UCLA. Great tournament run by the Bruins. Great game from the Bruins. Not enough. They probably won't look back at it as a great game. But the rest of us will because it was a great game. Now, now the question is, does Gonzaga have enough left in the tank to take down Baylor and take down the next great D. Mitchell? Not the Jazz man. But the Baylor guy, Davian Mitchell, four and a half point favorites for Gonzaga tonight, PK. I want to see him do it. It feels like this 20-year story, this quest we've watched them be on. I don't have a real dog in them. I'm not going to live and die with either one of these teams. But having watched this 20-year quest and not having seen an undefeated team since 1976, it feels like it's time. Do it, Gonzaga. Do it. 
Yeah, I don't care about the undefeated. That that just just doesn't really ring my bell. I mean, I know it's a storyline, but it just doesn't matter to me uh, as far as that goes. I think this is the opportunity of a really, really good program, and it sends a message that you know, if you get the right players and the right coach, you have the opportunity to do whatever. It doesn't really matter where you're coming from. It's like so many of these players who have gone to smaller schools and made it big. You know, you don't have to go to the Blue Buds. You can go to uh, whether they're in a Power 5 conference. Just because you're in a Power 5 conference doesn't mean you're a Blue Bud in basketball. In fact, most of the programs aren't. Uh, as far as that goes. But so, James, you know, James Harden went to Arizona State, so that'd be a great example. Paul Millsap yeah. obviously came through here, had a great run, and was a Louisiana Tech guy, and really nobody yeah. knew anything about him when he was drafted. Late second-round guy and off the fans' radar. So, obviously he, the scouts knew, but... He did lead the or college basketball in rebounding. rebounding. So, uh, but that's what Gonzaga is in that respect as far as the program. But at the same time, they've had a slew of guys go into the NBA I mean, because going into the NBA for Gonzaga is not that big of a deal anymore. So many of them. Now, a lot of them and most of them haven't been big-time players in the NBA. Some of them have been busts or just barely there, but they got there. And so once you're an NBA player, you can say you're an NBA player, even if it's just for a season or a half season, whatever it might be. And that's sort of what they've had. Now, this time around with Suggs, I think that's a breakout player. I think he is a breakout player in terms of he will be – a, I believe he'll be an even better pro. I could be wrong. Morrison went high and he was a bust. But I believe that Suggs has got everything that they need. I mean, how many guys can you say can block somebody at the basket, make that bounce pass that was just right out of the money, and then, of course, pull up and hit the winning shot? I mean, that's just three plays. And all three plays were spectacular. And I think he's a difference maker. And I think we'll see that. And we'll see. I believe we'll see that in the NBA, too. I believe he's just absolutely sensational. And so that's what separates them from other Gonzaga teams is I think they've got a couple of guys that can really, really play at the pro level too, in addition to being really good at the college level. So good on Mark Few, man. Good on him. And got this opportunity here. It's great. And if they should do it, I would love to see it. Used to be one of these uh, anti-Gonzaga guys, but after interviewing Few a few times and then talking to Donnie Daniels a couple of times when he was at the program and and Ray Jack Letty was there and I got to know Ray a little bit when he was in Utah and I be, I became a fan I absolutely became a fan and now they've got an opportunity to set themselves apart and that's what it is and I would like to see them do that although I don't think that if they should lose that you know this is not an Indiana State Larry Bird see you later or Virginia Commonwealth with Shaka Smart and you know, you, you get there and then you sort of go away. I don't think that at all. I think they'll be right back. To, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an outlandish statement. I'm going to pick them to win the West Coast Conference regular season and tournament titles next year. How about that? Some people can tell you what happened. Other people tell you what's <laughs> going to happen. You are the man. I don't think I could get more than, I don't know, ten or 20,000 West Coast Conference fans, however many there are. Is there any, anything more of a sure bet than Gonzaga – Finishing first and first in all of sports, all of team sports. Uh, Brady, Brady to the playoffs. I guess he can get hurt. He missed once because he got hurt. Basically, they have these parallel 20-year runs, and that's the one, the one outlier is Brady got hurt in the opener, the first quarter of the opening game against the Chiefs, wrecked his knee, and was done for the year. 
But other than that, Brady to the playoffs, that's the other one. And, and I guess we can have, uh, you know, if you if you said Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson to the playoff, you're probably getting <laughs> two or all three. All right, DJ and PK, so it's Jazz pregame at four, Jazz game at five, have to split the signals at seven when the college basketball title game starts. The Jazz will be on the FM, and the NCAA title game will be on the AM. But when the Jazz game's over, then uh, the signals will reunite for the rest of the NCAA title game. So you hear both those games tonight here on The Zone. Time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, you've had a lot of patience in. You've been on the air a, a long time now here on The Zone. You've had a lot of patience in. So you, you, get, you talk about these uh, 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 studies that Cambridge does, but you're collecting your own data too. And I'm curious about um, the, the common things that you hear from your patients. Well, a guy with ED, it generally starts with skepticism, typically. That's probably a result of failing with the pill, um, failing with injections or supplements, and somebody with erectile dysfunction doesn't know where to turn. They think there's no hope. Uh, they go through our treatments, and the overall feeling is that was way easier than I thought. Uh, a 10-minute treatment on our acoustic wave therapy, uh, you do a few of these over two to three weeks. That's it. That's all that the average guy needs. So uh, they're relieved. I think they wish they would have done it sooner. Um, and then we hear, you know, hey, I'm 40 years old, I've got ED, and this made me 30 years old. It didn't make me 20. It gave me a realistic solution. It got me off of the pill and got my relationship back on track. So what are some of the, uh, some of the alternatives and why this is so superior and why guys, instead of trying the other stuff and being skeptical, should just start with this? Well, because if you think about it, the medication for ED treats the symptoms. Um, You still have erectile dysfunction the next go around, and you're going to be taking more and more of the pills. Our treatments at Wasatch Medical treat the root cause problem of erectile dysfunction. So that's the big difference, treating the symptoms versus trying to fix the actual problem so you don't have to rely on pills. Uh, Clinical study after clinical study also says no side effects reported. That's so rare in the medical world, but there really are no side effects and no downsides to the treatment. There's no danger. Um, It's done non-invasively on top of the skin, gently opens up those blood vessels. All right. As always, you got a, uh, you got a deal. Our, our listeners love deals. Yes. Call us now, guys. You can come in, meet with a doctor. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound. He'll do an assessment and then you can you know, sleep on it. You can decide a year later. You can start with treatments right away. It's totally up to you. We're doing it totally free, and we're giving you a little special gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom plus free testosterone if you feel like you've got a need for that. Uh, Give us a call. It's all no charge. All right, you can call right now, 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Andrew Reinhardt and the Wasatch Medical Clinic at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk with our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Gonzaga, UCLA. Tell me the last time you saw a better game. Oh, my goodness. Uh, never in the NCAA tournament that I can remember ever. 
Uh, maybe if Gordon Hayward had made that three-quarter shot for Butler, that might have capped it. But uh, no, it was it was phenomenal, and uh, and obviously I'm, I'm I'm pulling for the Zags just just because of Mark Few and because of the connections to the WCC and everything else. But uh, it was uh, it was hard not to to pull for UCLA and, and Johnny Juzang. He's easily a household name. I don't know if he goes out or he stays or whatever the circumstances, but. Uh, Kentucky must be killing themselves. I don't know why he left Kentucky, but uh, he's a very special guy, man. Incredible game. What do you think that other teams can pull from Gonzaga in terms of elevating their program in the WCC or even really in the West, whoever it might be? You know, I mean, it, it starts with recruiting and 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 finding guys that uh, you know the little and maybe maybe it might just be the transfer portal that helps programs elevate. I mean, there's some great coaches in the WCC, but it's, it's not a destination for a lot of guys around the country. And, uh, but now with the transfer portal, not having to sit out, uh, I think you've got to have a keen eye on that. Uh, obviously coach view has done this the right way for a long time. And, uh, you know, they're as good as anybody in the country, obviously pretty much year in and year out. And they've established something that's not easy to do in a small community like that, but he has. And, you know, he's had great assistance. He's been, I think the real key is he's been able to recruit internationally and find a niche there and get connections with, uh, you know, people around the world. And, uh, and that's really what's allowed them. I mean, their international connections and the players they brought in, you know, they're not four-year guys necessarily. But between that, and then, uh, you know, developing players like they do, uh, they've got a pretty special thing going on. So I, I think the international connection has been a big, big part of it because um, I, I don't remember the one assistant coach's name, but uh, I know they've they had a couple of assistants over the years that have really, really helped them uh, elevate their program, much like Australia did for St. Mary's for so many years as well in the conference. But, uh, you know, between St. Mary's, BYU, who has connections worldwide and, and, and obviously has a more unique situation, everybody else has just kind of been up and down. And um, so I think it starts with recruiting. I, I think there's coaching styles and techniques and the way people do things, but it's about players. You have to have players year in and year out that buy into that culture. And, you know, I, 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 I listen to Mark Few talk about joy a lot. And, and obviously it's easier to talk about joy when you're winning. But, you know, just talking about his great team chemistry. And it's not that easy to bring guys in for a year or two and get people to buy in. you got to have a special staff to do that and great support system. So uh, congratulations to them and, uh, and you know, to Baylor. And that'll, that'll be an interesting matchup tonight. You know, obviously I don't know Jalen Suggs and I haven't interviewed him, but it does seem like if you're trying to get chemistry and you've had a group that's been together and been successful, to bring in a really talented one-and-done is tricky. And I'm sure the coaches deserve some credit, but Suggs seems to have the personality. He's kind of in all shucks mode in the post game. He doesn't talk about himself a lot unless he's asked directly about himself. Um you know, Timmy's been there a while, and so I think everybody kind of rolls with his antics. Personally, he kind of grates on me with the whole stash nonsense, blowing kisses of the crowd, whatever junk he's doing after a dunk. But it, it seems that the coaching staff kind of rolls with these individual personalities because these guys do seem to be at different places on the spectrum. 
They, they are, because they come from all over the world. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, they've all had different experiences, and Timmy's experiences growing up were different than Suggs. And, and so you, you have to give a great deal of credit to, to the coaching staff for the chemistry that they do have. But with Suggs, you know, I, I'm, I'm like you. I mean, I don't know a lot about him. I've watched him play six or seven times. Uh, but he, you know, he seems to relish the moment, and he's still like, you know, he's still a young kid. And obviously he's going to be, you know, one of the first two or three picks in the, in the draft. Uh, but I think that the, the reason that that works is because there is an established program there. Uh, I mean, Kispert is a guy that's been in that program for four or five years. You have leadership in, in kind of player-led teams that, that Gonzaga has had. And it's one thing for a coach to kind of do that on their own, but it's way more successful when internally your players lead teams. And so for a young phenom freshman who knows he's probably only going to be there for a year, uh, they got one thing in mind, and that's winning a national championship. And so uh, I don't, again, the dynamics of that team, but I would just take Kispert, somebody that's been in that program for a long time. He sits down with the Suggs and says, hey, we got a chance to win a national championship here. This is how we do things here. So most great teams that I've seen, they get, yeah, they've had great leadership at the top and staffs. But internally, player-led teams usually – uh, do special things, and, you know. Whether for for some programs it might just be winning a conference championship, for others it's a national championship. So uh, I, I see those differences, but I think there's not only do you got to give great, great credit to the leadership of the coaching staff, but internally players they they make a big difference. They make the most difference, to be honest with you. I mean, great teams usually have great leaders within themselves, and I'm not talking about the coaches. I'm talking about players, and I think. Gonzaga's had that year in and year out. They just had that chemistry, and uh, it works. It works for them, and then they continue to get really good players. I think under their circumstances, the fact that they do not have football, they can just pour a ton of energy and resources into basketball has benefited them. Yeah, it has. And, and I think you hear Mark talk about the president. You hear him talk about the athletic director – you know, in, in terms of they know they've got something pretty special. And uh, it's a unique environment. I don't know, they have seven, 8,000 people in their little arena. I've been in there a few times. And uh, so, no, that's what they are. They know who they are. And you're right, they got all the resources in the world to put into that program where others are having to divvy that up. And let's face it, you get into the WCC and the Mountain West, and, I mean, everybody's really, really hurting. Financially, I mean, I, I just uh, talking to friends and talking to coaches and administrators, it is a big time struggle. I, I don't think it's a big time struggle uh, at Gonzaga. You know, they've got it's a private school. Uh, it's it's something that they know who they are, and that basketball program kind of drives it. And you know, it, it's not easy for anybody during the COVID, but uh, this has been a long term relationship with administration and at coaching staff that have been on the same page. And you don't always get that in every athletic program. So we've been watching Gonzaga a lot. Uh, I have not been watching Baylor as much. What shot <laughs> do you give Baylor at beating Gonzaga? You know, I'm like you. Uh, I, I've seen bits and pieces of them. Uh, I, I'll tell you the one thing they do have that I believe wins championships in, in the postseason is they got good guards. They got four or five of them. And, and so uh, I, I didn't know a lot about them. And uh, I've watched them maybe play. I haven't watched them play a full game. I, it just highlights and those kinds of things. But 
uh, Butler, Mitchell, Teague, those three guards are, are really, really good. And when Kelvin Sampson talks about their great guard play and dealing with the, you know, the pressure that, that Houston, I mean, they, they didn't seem to be bothered by it, the highlights that I saw and a little bit of the game that I watched. So I, I would say that anytime the strength of your team is guard play, uh, you've got a chance. And, and obviously the, these guys have been pretty good. So uh, to just drill, Houston couldn't, could not make a basket and, uh, they're not a great shooting team anyway going in. I think everybody kind of knew that. But when you look at what Scott Drew has done there um, over the years and taking over a program and building something pretty special, you got to, you know, your hat's off to him. And, he, you know, between his dad and his brother, I mean, these are great people. Again, go back to really good people, really good cultures that have been established and developed. But, Again, with my limited understanding and knowledge of that team, I would just say that everything I've read and, and the few minutes that I've watched, that's the thing that stood out to me was they had great guard play. And uh, when you got the ball in the hands of good guards, anything can happen. Now, you know, will they match up with Timmy? This is a pretty strong physical team as well in Baylor. So uh, I'm sure they'll have a great game plan. I can't imagine this being a blowout, to be honest with you. I mean, i got to imagine that they've both been through a lot. It'll be a kind of a grind-out game. But uh, the advantage, I think, goes to Gonzaga just because they, they've just had – they've got the inside-outside. And Timmy is – you're right, he can be a little obnoxious at times. But in, 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 a, in a way, I mean, it kind of reminds me of McKelly, Wesley, coaching him you know, 20 years ago. You don't see a lot of players with their back to the basket doing the things these guys do. I mean, they, you just don't see many, much of it. You know, everything's perimeter-oriented. And I, and I watched – Timmy playing, and I thought, you know, that's why, why I love McKelly so much, is, is that he had the ability to score so many different ways and uh, get to the free throw line, and that, that was the, the big key. I mean, all the tugs did, and the block, and the one-handed half-court pass for a dunk, and, and the amazing three, they don't win that game without Timmy. I mean, he, he dominated inside. I want to talk to you about recruiting with Craig Smith. He's taken over, and he's going to look under every rock, and he's going to recruit nationally. And obviously, you've already discussed the international situation. But I wonder, you know, as as you look at programs and how they had success, when Majerus took over the youth program, he had connections in the Midwest. That's where he was from. And he brought some guys out to Utah, and almost all of them, didn't really pan out and they transferred because maybe a situation in the Midwest, you're not familiar with the culture that's dominant here in our city. And so then when he starts going to the West coast, getting the local kids, getting the West coast, whether it be Doliac in Portland and obviously Andre Miller, Brandon, Jesse, Keith Van Horn, guys from California, then that, re- that program really took off at another level. It sounds good to want to recruit nationally, but do you think it's in the best interest in, in terms of some schools, using Utah as an example, BYU also, to maybe not go nationally because you need guys to be able to live in your community and be happy there? And is it better to where they might be a little more regional? Do you, you buy anything that I'm saying there? Yeah, no, I understand. And I think initially it's really important. I mean, I've been in situations where you have to rebuild and uh, and you're constantly reconciling, you know, uh, short-term goals or with your long-term, really, what's your vision for the program? 
and and I think people realize that the the cupboard's pretty empty. There are a lot of guys have left, and they they got some work to do. I think the key thing is to be careful about uh, doing things too quickly. I mean, yeah, you got to have a competitive team, and you got to find the very best. I mean, we've talked about this on the show a lot, but the portal does give you an option that Rick Majerus, Steve Cleveland, and everybody else that ever had to build a program. You, you, it was hard to find a quick fix. The portal can do that, and the, the one thing that's nice about the portal is you've got so much data that before you know you 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 know what he looks like. There's tape on him at the collegiate level. You know you know what are being said by the people that are closest to him. So the portal is something that is there today that hasn't been there in the past that made it more difficult to rebuild. And because there is a tendency and there to just go out and get the best player, and sometimes that doesn't work. And so you're right. I think you do find a little niche here and there, and you have to you have to have that. And you know, coaches he, he's recruited internationally. Uh, and it, it's not usually with international recruiting. You have to have relationships with the you know those countries and with with their uh, their country's teams, their national teams, and the, the pro leagues and everything that's going on wherever you're recruiting internationally, I think Coach has some of those things already because the big fella inside, so I, I don't know all of his connections. But that, but the two things I would do, first of all, is look to the portal and look to what's happening internationally. And then be careful that you don't get in a hurry and make mistakes because you know, in the past, that, that impacted APR. You hardly even hear or talk about APR anymore you know, in, in terms of eligibility and those kind of things. But 15, 20 years ago when we were doing this, all of those things played in a, a major role. So uh, I agree with you. I, I do believe you need to find your niche and know who you are. And, hey, and, and you may not always get the best kid in Utah, but the, the thing about young people from Utah is there's great high school coaches there. Uh, there has been a lot of success with the Utah kids. And, and I don't think just because the program's down a little bit that you don't continue to recruit those and you develop relationships. Smith, Coach Smith's been in the – the, the 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 state for three years. I mean, he's got to know everyone. So he, and he's had great success getting to the tournament three times. So he is in a position, unlike someone else who comes in brand new and doesn't know anybody. He already has relationships. So internationally, relationships that you currently have. But I, I I do like the niche idea. You you need to know where you're successful, and and I think that at Utah. They'll figure that out. It's it, it's not going to happen instantly unless they just get a couple of big time players out of the portal that change everything. Uh, but you know, like I said before, I think we talked a week or two ago. The key thing is be smart, take your time, don't don't get in a hurry and realize long. You're looking at the long term here. There may be some challenging times the first year or two, but ultimately to kind of rebuild this thing, it does take time. And if you're impatient. Uh, you can pay for that in a lot of different ways, and and I don't, I don't see that happening to be honest with you. But I've watched enough college basketball, and I've watched enough programs, and know enough coaches that when everybody tries to do it quickly, it usually doesn't work real well. So in the NBA, PK and I have had a little discussion going here, and we won't hold you to this. You might refine this uh, opinion over the next two or three weeks or whatever. But with three, four, five, six in flux, there's obviously seven good, very good teams in the West, assuming everybody's healthy and the Lakers aren't right now. But 
The Jazz sitting at one. Who should they prefer in the 4-5 series for a potential second-round series? And who would it be okay if they went up to 2-3 or down to 6-7 and went to the other side of the bracket? You know, I, I, I was, I've, I've been looking at this thing, and, and you know, first of all, you, you look at the Jazz, and, they, you know, obviously they've <clears throat> won nine games in a row, and uh, this week they've got a couple of challenges this week, and, and – but you, you got to figure. I mean, they're, they're, I, I don't see there's any way that Utah doesn't win this thing. And so that being said, especially with the uh, the, the later April May schedule. And so when I when I look at the teams, who they match up with, who I'd want to play. Uh, I mean, I, it's possible the Lakers could be a seven or an eight by then, or maybe playing. I mean, I don't know when if these two guys don't come back. Uh, I mean, there, there's not much difference between the bottom and, and uh, in the middle of this thing. So uh, I, don't, I don't think you want to play the Lakers if they get healthy again and all of a sudden they finish fifth. And uh, that, that, that wouldn't be a great way to start. Uh, I, I think for Utah, uh, it, it's a situation that I think with, with Dallas, Memphis, Portland, those, those are all teams that uh, probably are going to be six, seven, eight, around there the, the four and fives you're looking at really I, I don't think you want to play denver again <laughs> you know i i, I would i mean denver could finish fourth and they could finish third i mean depending uh i i, I actually like utah uh playing the clippers i i i, I wouldn't I, I think they they match up and they they've got good guard play but uh you know i i don't know where phoenix is going to finish I, I, I think I would I would rather personally play Phoenix if I'm Utah. I'd like to see Phoenix and maybe uh, Portland, you know, in that four or five spot. If Portland continues, I mean, it just depends where the the Lakers end up. I mean, the Lakers. Let's just say the Lakers are nowhere near fourth or fifth. They're six, seven, eight. Those guys don't come back for two or three more weeks. I, I want to play Phoenix. Uh, I want to play Portland, and those two teams could slip into that four or five spot. I don't want to play Denver. Um, I, I just think that they, they seem, they've won five in a row. They seem to be getting their mojo back. They, they've added some pieces. Uh, but I, that's who I'd want to play. I, I, I'd want to play Phoenix. I'd want to play Portland. And they both have a chance there. Uh, I take that back what I said about the Clippers. I don't want to play the Clippers first round. Uh, I, I don't want to play them because they're, they're just too dangerous and, and, uh, so that that's my feelings. I don't think the Lakers are going to be a piece of it. I mean, that'd be terrible for the Jazz to have to play the Lakers, who finish fifth and get healthy, and all of a sudden that's a really, really, really tough first round matchup. So those are my thoughts. I mean, if I was coaching, I'd rather play. I, I think Memphis probably finishes seventh or eighth. Dallas, Dallas has won four or five in a row, so uh, I'd rather play Dallas too. I'd rather play Dallas. I'd rather play Portland. Rather play. Uh, uh, Phoenix, uh, just because the Clippers, Denver, and the Lakers have a lot of star power. They're well coached, and if they're all healthy, that's not who you want in a first round matchup. Start of the day, Steve. Dallas started nine and fourteen. They've gone eighteen and seven. They have definitely well, been figuring stuff out. Steve, yeah, they have. Yeah, we got to run. We appreciate it, Steve. Thanks for talking hoops Th- with you, thanks, and we will guys. talk to you again next week. See ya. Bye-bye. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. A solid dose of basketball every week with Steve. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome Andrew Reinhardt. Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, uh, for a lot of guys, 
going to uh, talk to a doc about ED. They'd rather not do it. They'd probably rather just get the pill and not have to talk to other people about it. And yet you have guys who stop taking the pill and come talk to you. Why do you think that <laughs> yes, is? Yes, we do. Uh, and, and we're probably only seeing a sliver of the men struggling with ED because so many guys do nothing. I would say if you're out there struggling in the bedroom and the pill is working fantastically for you, no side effects, excellent results, keep doing what you're doing. There is no need to come see us. If the pill makes you nervous, if the side effects are affecting you or the pill isn't working all that well, or you just don't like medication, our acoustic wave therapy at Wasatch Medical uh, can be a game changer. It's clinically proven to open up very gently and regrow blood vessels in this part of the body that's known as neovascularization with just a few short treatments over two to three weeks. We have seen guys turn back the clock, get enough improved blood flow that they don't have to take the pill anymore and really get the spontaneity back into the relationship. So uh, if you're struggling, this can be a great alternative to the medication. All right. The uh, patients that you're talking to over and over, are there a couple themes when you talk to them, something they tell you? They generally say, uh, I've been hearing you for a long time, and I waited as long as possible to call because I didn't want to. (laughs) So they all delay. They all wait. But then they go through the treatments, and it's way better than people think. Uh, This is not invasive. It's not painful. A treatment is 10 minutes. That is it. You can come in on your lunch break. So it always sounds more intimidating than it is. Think of this. Two to three weeks from now, you could be done with the treatments, get rid of the erectile dysfunction, and get rid of the pills. All right. If you want to call, the number is 801-901-8000. Even if you don't want to call, the number is 801-901-8000. Andrew at the Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. Seven seconds to go. Six seconds. Juzang in the paint. Fade away. No. Got his own rebound. Slithers to the rim and lays it in. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Banks at home. Banks at home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked three to stand Gonzaga. One step closer to history. Well, you screw around doing that after practice and in an empty gym. That's one thing. And everyone goes nuts on the rare occasion and goes in. But to do it in overtime at the Final Four, to send your team through to the title game, that was something else. And there's an argument to be made that that wasn't even the best play he made in the clutch in that game, PK. Hmm, I don't know about that. Well, it's a game winner, so I get that. But how do you possibly make a play that big? The block at the rim with two minutes to go and then chasing the ball down and throwing that perfect 45-foot bounce pass? That was sensational. Well, I like the play. I like how Gonzaga inbounded the ball real quick, got the ball above the free-throw line on the pass, so that saved a second or two. And Suggs had no impediment to the time he pulled up. Now, at the time he pulled up, you don't want to foul him. You know, maybe earlier, try to impede him a little bit, but that didn't happen. And it was a casual jump shot. I mean, it wasn't like he was a hoist. It was a chuck. When on the bank, you know, I think that's part of uh, your momentum going full steam ahead. But get yep. it up there and see what happens. And sure enough, he banks it home to where the L.A. Papers had in their headlines, bank robber.
Nice. <laughs> so now it's Baylor and it's Gonzaga tonight. To finish the deal, can Gonzaga get it done? They're four and a half point favorites. I think they're going to do it, but I can't guarantee anything. That's the magic of March Madness. Well, it's April now, so that doesn't really count. But, uh, yeah, I absolutely guarantee it. And I'm going to take it a step beyond that. This is Mark Few's last game. He takes the job at Carolina tomorrow. <laughs> doesn't even go home for the parade. Peace out, yo. I've been to the mountaintop. Next. Chapel Hill, here I come. Go does the full Chris Peterson. Good night, everybody. Jazz are playing tonight. You're going to hear both games here on the Zone Sports Network. Jazz pregame at 4, tip-off at 5, the uh, college basketball game at 7. NCAA title game will be on 1280 The Zone. The Jazz game will be over on uh, 97.5 The Zone. And after the Jazz are done, then you'll hear the game on on both signals uh, the rest of the way for Gonzaga and Baylor. Jazz and Mavericks tonight, they get three playoff teams in a row in Dallas tonight, back home for uh, Phoenix on Wednesday, and then they've got a Thursday game with Portland. So this is a pretty good stretch right here, and you can't really replicate the playoffs in the regular season, but this will have to do. If you're looking for something, some kind of measuring stick or something, hold on to this because the next thing that we would see that would really matter are those two games with the Lakers and three days in L.A. But we don't know that the Lakers are going to be healthy, and it's getting late enough that even if they do have their guys back, and Yach's already shaking his head, they ain't having them back, DJ. Even if they are back, they'll barely be back, and they could be on a minutes restriction. Hard to believe now that that's going to be a real test in the way that we thought it was going to be when we saw the second half of the schedule. Oh, not at all. I, I, I seriously doubt Anthony Davis would be back. And LeBron, whenever he wants to come back, that's when he comes back. And away he goes there. But I don't think it's going to be at that point. So, no, that's that's become completely and totally watered down. Because the Lakers, without those two, they suck. I mean, they're not even close to a playoff team. Uh, they're, I mean, you show that Jordan went away. The Bulls were a contending team. Yeah, they still won 55 games in a playoff yeah. series and yeah. seven-gamer yeah. in round two. Right. And so here, wow. Now, it's two guys rather than one, so it's not a fair comparison. But, I mean, you saw them against the Clippers yesterday. They struggled to score at all. And then Drummond hurts his big toe, so that's been second. Maybe maybe this isn't the year of the Lakers, and this isn't the year of LeBron. Maybe all these things – uh, you know, haven't destroyed him, but they caught a, sort of caught up to him a little bit in terms of not being able to just be the Godzilla basketball player that mm-hmm. you've been for so long. Maybe this is what we see, and some because you know we we, we thought that all oh, with the Golden State, you know, it's going to be unstoppable for X amount of years. Well, injuries did him in, and now injuries have done him in. Durant leaves, and, and they're they're. Not a great team by any stretch. They're an okay team, uh, but that's about it. And maybe that's what the Lakers might be this year. So all this fear and concern about the Lakers, maybe we're just worrying about stuff that doesn't matter. Or maybe those two guys get healthy and just blow past everybody and say, we told you we're the beasts. I'm still the king, man. I'm 36 years old. Because now he's starting to get to where if he were to start winning some more, we start doing stuff that hasn't been done in a long while, maybe ever, I don't go back. The NBA really passed uh, before 1980 
but you know, at 36, and I think didn't Jordan wasn't he 36 when he won that last one? Yeah, I think so. And that's about where Bill Russell wrapped it up too. I mean, he was in college for four years and then played 13 in the pros. So that's I don't know when his birthday falls, but that puts him at 35, 36. And that's about where it ends for Russell. That's about where it ends for Jordan. You know, is this going to be the second time in three years that LeBron isn't healthy enough to compete for the title? You know. Well, I want to say I hope so, but I can't say that because I never root against injuries. But if they happen, so be it. <laughs> and if you could take advantage of it, whoever you are, yeah, uh, you don't give it back. Absolutely not. Jazz three and a half games in front of the Suns. They will play Wednesday night. Clippers are third. They are six back. Denver is charging. We just had Steve Cleveland on, uh, and he pointed out how well the Nuggets are playing now. They made the Aaron Gordon trade, and so they are now fourth place, seven back. They're only a game behind the Clippers, so the Nuggets charging, looking good. Well, they're a player. They are a player. Locke was talking about on Friday that he gives the Nuggets the same chance as the Jazz, and then he said, well, you know, maybe this regular season – well, because of the circumstances, doesn't count as much as a normal regular season. Now, you know, let's call it like it is. He's a big-time fan, so he tries to soften the blow uh, if they should lose. It wasn't their fault. It was this or that. I don't necessarily put the Nuggets on the level of the Jazz, but they most definitely are charging, as you say. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Aaron Gordon. He's uh, he's been given something here, but how will he perform in the playoffs? You know, he was in Orlando, so you don't get a lot of playoff experience playing in Orlando. No, these you days. don't. But they were getting nothing there, so, so something yeah. better than nothing. And the pressure will be on the Joker, and he is playing at a very high level. And uh, Murray's played a little better lately, so. It's not like it's all going to fall. You know, you were talking about um, Millsap slipping, and even though they got a nice win and their five starters all went to town, and Millsap played like six minutes and went 0 for 4. Yeah, he's done. Just screams the end of the line. It happens to everybody, so there's no no shame in that. Father time and and all that. That's why the the acquisition of Aaron Gordon was really good. But I think the Jazz are better than Denver. As I look at it and try to look at it as objectively, knowing I have bias – I believe that they're better. They're a better team. So I'm not fretting them in the postseason. I obviously don't think that it's a walk in the park, but I'm not fretting them. I think the Jazz have a better team. Dallas tonight at 5, Phoenix Wednesday, Portland Thursday. Good week for the Jazz. Three of the top seven teams in the West. Three of the top six chasing the Jazz, obviously. All right, and then the other thing we had, uh, Mike Weir. You taped an interview with him uh, last week. We played it this morning and uh, touched on a lot of topics. There were many things, many takeaways from that. I did love in passing how he talked about Gary Player trying to get five more yards uh, off the tee, and player like, oh, I'm 15 years under my age. I had to look it up to see how old Gary Player was. Figured he had to be 80, he had to be over 80, but I didn't know how far, and he's 85. He's shooting 70 at 85? Gary Player, way to go, dude. That is awesome. Well, yeah, and that's the exception. I mean, he's been big on the physical fitness for mm-hmm. many, many years, so he's uh, delayed uh, father time a little bit with his commitment and he's done all that type of stuff. He's been out there. I remember, I think him and Bill Clinton did some stuff as far as when uh, President Clinton lost some weight and uh, he was reporting on golf uh, telecast with Gary. But yeah, that's the kind of deal that you get with Mike Weir. Mike Weir put on uh, Instagram this morning him driving down Magnolia Lane. 
I mean, the Masters is the ultimate as far as I'm concerned. Every week, every year that it comes up, I'm so I'm super excited. I think it's the best individual accomplishment. I couldn't imagine, as Mike Weir can imagine, because he's been there, walking up 18. Now he won in a playoff, if I recall, mm-hmm. so it wasn't necessarily that. But getting that green jacket and all that stuff, I don't know that there's anything uh, symbolically cooler in sports. All right, DJ PK, that's what we have been talking about this morning. The NCAA tournament, the Jazz and the Mavericks, big week for the Jazz, and this is Masters Week. DJ and PK, come back with your feedback. A lot of you have been weighing in on uh, who you're rooting for in the title game tonight. Baylor's got a significant amount of support, and we will explain why coming up, or we will let you explain why you're you're in their corner. And then also weighing in as the Jazz go for the 10th straight win, try to beat the Mavericks for the third time this year. i uh, got a poll question up on that, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. If the Jazz are good enough, they'll beat any team that stands in their way. I'm not your typical fan. I could give a flying bat's ear wing what team we play. We'll dominate them all. Go Jazz! In my heart, I am rooting for Gonzaga. Baylor will win. No team since 1978 when they went to 64 teams has won the title when entering undefeated. Gonzaga will fall! Donovan Mitchell has gotten so popular that the commencement ceremony of the graduation class of 2038 will sound something like this. Donovan Smith. Donovan Edwards. Donovan Miller. Donovan Sanchez. Donovan Johnson. That was good. All right, your feedback. Uh, You can always hit us up. Grab your phone. Use our app. Use the open mic feature. You can send us your takes, and Yaka will play them here at the end of the show. All three of those are from Dwight today. Congratulations, Dwight. Good work. Way to dominate. Uh, Brian tweets at us, uh, you know, who you who you rooting for here? Uh, how can you not root for Gonzaga to win this thing? And Brian says, Gonzaga, they got players doing stupid celebratory dances after every basket scored. They deserve to be hated. Go Baylor. He compares them to Duke 92. He really doesn't like these guys. Yeah, but if you see it, I guess I'd have to look at that closer. But it doesn't seem to follow to me. I haven't really noticed that. I haven't noticed anything. The, uh, I'll, I'll look closer tonight because uh, tonight would be the celebration of all celebrations. Timmy's the only one who bugs me. It's not It's not a Gonzaga thing. Mm-hmm. I think Suggs and Kispert, they're just out there playing. They're fine. Timmy, if he's on your team, you probably love him. If he's on the other team, you hate him. <laughs> you just hate him. I, I he's know, talented, I really though. No, don't confuse that. that. Yeah, don't confuse that with talent. He's got, I mean, he can play. Uh, how could you not root for Gonzaga? Well, BYU says if you're a certain current or former member of the Jazz, i.e. Royce O'Neal, Dennis Lindsay has his Baylor tie too. So, Okay. They we get knew. that. I wasn't speaking to them. Right. Uh, let's see. We got uh, more people uh, weighing in here. Salt Lake Jake says, "If Baylor wins, I win my tourney pool and six hundred dollars." So, <laughs> Salt Lake Jake. Well, anytime you got cash on it, that makes a big difference. David says, "I wish BYU could," and he's got a BYU helmet for the uh, the avatar here. I wish BYU could win a conference championship at some point soon. But you have to admire what the Zags have built. Their fan base isn't annoying, and Coach Few seems like a great mentor. I do hope they win it all. Just taking a little edge off the rivalry there, PK. 
Too much, too much yeah, admiration. Your fan base is an annoying. Yeah, you don't, because you don't live with them. They're not in the same market. I, I, I disagree. They have just as much arrogance as Arizona's fan base or any fan base that I've seen. Because I've been to Vegas. He hasn't been to Vegas. He hasn't been to the Orleans Arena when it's the it might as well be the McCarthy Center Vegas. All right, it's time for our UNA Golf Masters giveaway. You know how this works. Uh, Caller 12 gets paired with one of the top 25 players in the world. Someone will get the field, the 26th contestant. Uh, If the player assigned you wins, then you receive the same brand of driver that that player has in their bag. Qualifiers are being assigned today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Keep listening. We'll have multiple qualifiers every show till we get all 26 qualifiers. So it is time right now for the UNA Golf Masters giveaway. Be caller 12 right now and see what player you get for this year's Masters. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. Be caller 12. 855-340-9663. It's brought to you by you win a golf, serving Utah golf since 1971. All right, time to welcome in Andrew right now. Andrew Reinhardt joining us from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, you've been reading up. Cambridge University has been doing studies. Yes, there are significant studies now. If you're struggling with erectile dysfunction or any kind of frustration in the bedroom, uh, our acoustic wave therapy has been studied by Cambridge, like you said. And what they showed was that this opens up and regrows blood vessels enough that we can reverse ED. Uh, They tested our technology on guys with severe erectile dysfunction at basically 0%. So if you're out there listening and you're not at 0%, you're probably in a better category. You can benefit from this. The pills, the headaches, the blurred vision, the lack of spontaneity, has not been a good approach for a lot of guys. And they're coming out and saying, look, we want to treat the root cause. We want to, uh, you know, uh, turn back the clock a little bit in the bedroom. Everybody wants that on-demand function. You've got a special offer. You can help people out right now. Cut them a deal. Yes. Last segment of the day, guys. Give us a call. This is the first step in uh, reversing the ED, making sure you're a good candidate. The assessment and exam with our doctor is pretty cool, um, and he'll likely be able to tell you why you have erectile dysfunction, what has led to it. He'll test your blood vessels with a blood flow ultrasound. Plus, we'll throw in a little enhanced gift now that I don't think I've ever seen it fail. It produces immediate results in the bedroom, and it's all free. Uh, Give us a call now. All right, call them now, 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical, 801-901-8000. You can call Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic, and you can get the special offer he just detailed at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. All right, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. We'll see you.